0: does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q-certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax
1: vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit
2: any of our 13
1: locations today, or click drivehubler.com. Hubler has it all.
3: Everything okay over there, Mark? Making a ruckus over here. I mean,
0: get in here this morning all fresh and ready, even, like, Kevin's all propped up We're ready to go And Mark's over there Throwing stuff around Yeah If you ever leave the house This happened to me this morning I get halfway here And realize that I wear a ring And a watch Every single day For whatever reason Forgot to put them on today And now it, it's like
3: I feel
4: naked right, Panic mode
3: Where are they? Yes I do that too. Sometimes I'll forget to put my wedding ring on and I'm like, "Uh-oh." And like I wouldn't think much of it, but then it's kind of been on you forever and you forget. Why, why do you take it off? Like when I do my hair or something or if I take a shower. Oh. You do your you do your hair. Yeah. Okay. Don't you don't, but you do well, there's hair. product in there. I've what are you talking done, about? I've never done your hair. That well, is not correct. my hair. Your hair definitely has got something and in that it. And
4: then all these women in downtown Indianapolis just flocking to Mark Dyson <laughs> without his ring. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, that I, bachelor I, with great hair. So I try to tell Ashlyn, like, you better hang on to me. Be nice.
4: I thought you throwing all that uh, stuff around. It sounded like me late last night with the Notre Dame game. Boy, how about that? Tough one for your Irish
0: last night, right?
4: Brutal. Brutal. I'm not one that, uh, at least I don't think I'm one that, you know. Moans and complains about officiating. You know what I hate in college basketball is the old flagrant one. I feel, oh, you go to the monitor, and yeah. anytime the guy has the Fair. elbow, you know, whatever, above the neck area, Notre Dame, a horrific call against them late in that game. Mike Bray was irate, really, with the officiating all last night. Nothing like the head coach that knows he's not coming back to the conference and just roasting the officials <laughs> post game. Ah, screw it. <laughs> No repercussions whatsoever. We got a B or, you know, he didn't even, he's like, I I wish we got the A crew tonight. We clearly didn't have the A crew, but now, I've got the replay on
3: for you if you'd like to watch in the background. Oh, is this it? Yeah. Right here? Mm -hmm. Allow me to ask a really dumb question.
4: Man, the ACC network's really struggling here.
3: I have a really
0: dumb question for you. Did Mike Bray announce, you know, mid-season or whatever it was, that he is retiring from coaching or simply retiring from Notre Dame?
4: Yes, stepping away from Notre Dame. I think there are some chatter that he could have some interest in the Georgetown job.
0: He would be has Georgetown fired Patrick Ewing
4: yet? No, I don't the Big East Tournament starts to well, I don't know. Did Georgetown does the Big East tournament include everybody? I I would assume it does. Um, no, they have not made that announcement yet, but Mike Bray a lot of ties to the D C area. So I yeah again, if I were him, I'd just take a year off and figure out if you still have that you know drive and and desire to coach in a you know day and age in college basketball which is a whole lot different than you know how Mike Bray thrived at Notre Dame for the better part of two decades it is a beautiful Wednesday morning I mean look at that that is cotton candy that is peak section 204 Pacers game they're selling cotton candy right there beautiful start to this Wednesday and Mark all Jake needed was a little kick in the butt yep Look There's at what a, happens. A little kick in the butt. Uh, I, I Sorry, I had to go public with it, but I did with Shane Steichen on Friday. <laughs> I, I had to go public with it. Um, I thought, you know, maybe they're a little delayed. Maybe I don't, maybe the liquor stores are not fully stocked. Uh, Mark followed through. I was telling you how I was trying to find a very specific beer for
3: you. You That's did,
4: a, yeah. That was amazing. Um, you said you went to three multiple trips. liquor stores. Um, and then walking in today, after some taxman action from Mark jake with a trifecta very um a little bit of a sentimental value to the trifecta of beer from jake query today uh a six pack of rolling rock bottle
0: thank you well shane steichen comes from philadelphia which rolling rock i realize is western pa yingling more eastern pa but it's green so
4: i like it Uh, a four pack of Wee Mac, which I stated, you know, Sun King. We talked about that with Shane Steichen and Peter King last week. Wee Mac, my favorite Sun King beer. And then last but not least, of course, PB Bleepin' (laughs) R. That's right. That's right. As the Pacers take the court tomorrow night. In their effort for 30 wins and appease the bank account of Kevin Bone. So thank you to both of you. Um... I guess it's not about the You should have enough beer to last you for like two months. I was going to say, Maddie's going to be like, I need some fridge space. Can you get this out of here? Literally, I'm like, all right, let's uh, see if we can fit the uh, produce around all the beer in the fridge. So a little delayed, but nonetheless, thank you to both of you. You guys went above and beyond. You're welcome. Uh, You know,
0: I didn't realize this. And I realize that if you want to buy it cold, the liquor store is the place to go. But when you really want variety in your beer options, a big grocery store is actually your better option. The liquor stores are predominantly, wait for it, liquor, and not as much just beer. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say certainly the bigger grocery stores, you can uh, get some fully stocked shelves with that.
0: By the way, uh, before we get into the show, we got a lot to talk about this morning, uh, including some... Dave First actually sent me a text this morning at 6.02 a.m. The fact that Dave First and I are texting each other at 6 o'clock in the morning shows the maturation of the two of us. um, With a a very interesting Indiana University basketball tidbit. Very interesting Mm. tidbit that he sent me this morning, which we'll get to coming up uh, later in the show. present-day
4: relevancy? Yes,
0: yes, very much so. Um, You know, the Australians are coming in for the Indy 500. My Australian buddy, Michael, he's bringing... um, he is bringing six friends, so seven from Australia are coming for the Indy Five Hundred. And he texted me last night. He's bought his tickets, and he texted me and he said, "Make reservations at Saint Elmo for Friday night." Now, yeah. how do I how do I break it to him that it is impossible for eight people to get a reservation at Saint Elmo Steakhouse the Friday before the Indianapolis Five Hundred?
4: Yeah, your last name probably needs to be Manning. Yeah. Uh, to pull that not going to happen. Also, when I think of Carb Day, Jake, I just I probably don't think about ending it at Saint Elmo. Uh, also,
0: and St. Elmo is fantastic, right? But yes, you are correct. <laughs> doesn't really
4: match how I you would are, view Carb Day. You are correct. I can think of a lot of other um, places that I would be venturing to to cap Carb Day than St. Elmo. Uh, this from Carlton. Um, ask Jake of his ring and watcher sitting next to the NFL Combine credential.
0: <laughs> I have... Here's the thing. I only have one NFL Combine credential. Oh,
4: very good, Carlton. Pat yourself on the back that for is that solid. to start this one. I have 23 watches. That's the, the, the ridiculous.
0: God. Unbelievable. Right? Unbelievable. You'd think I'd have been able to remember one of them.
3: 23 watches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They all need. got to go to Switzerland to get them done.
4: As Jake said, it is a loaded Wednesday (laughs) on the show. I'm excited about the guest list. Stephen Holder joins us at 8. Obviously, Stephen joins us every Wednesday from ESPN.com, but he got behind-the-scenes access with Anthony Richardson throughout the Combine um, here in Indianapolis. And I think it's obviously great insight into uh, clearly the one prospect that uh, turn heads more than any other at the NFL combine. So we'll talk with Steven about that. A week from today is free agency. Officially, the new league year begins. Um, so a whole lot to get to with Steven, not only on the Anthony Richardson front, but on the Colts free agency side of things as well. Mike DeCourcy going to join us at 9 from Big Ten Network. Zach Eady, Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, any. Surpri- I, I'm a little surprised we didn't see co coach of the year. I thought Matt Painter and Chris Collins should have split that. That's fair. I, I think that Matt Painter. Chris Collins got the solo coach of the yeah, year. Yeah, I, I think Matt Painter is kind of victimized
0: by his own success, right? I mean, now it's like, well, they're supposed to be good. Uh, it's not really like I, I people know. thought
4: they would be, you I know, a top three or I four. I totally team agree. But what I'm
0: saying is when Purdue is atop the, the Big Ten standings, you're like, well, Purdue's usually in that area. Uh, I think people don't stop to realize everything that went into that specific you know season itself he did a heck of a job undoubtedly but so did Chris Collins
4: and how much does Purdue need this week to secure a number one seed do they need to get to Sunday do they need to win on Sunday the contingency plans at the committee and the final bracket with the big 10 championship being 330 on Sunday, we'll discuss that with Mike deCourcy And then Matt Miller, you have heard him on these airways before. He is an ESPN draft analyst. Um, he was here for the entire week at the Combine, so we'll chat with him about his thoughts on the quarterback front. And You know, a name that I've kind of forgotten about, but I am curious where he ends up going considering there's so much chatter on the first can four me, can names. I guess, can I guess?
0: Oh, this is a quarterback
4: in the draft. Yes, quarterback. Not a, a prospective free agent. In the draft, yes. Um, The kid out of Tennessee? Yeah, where, where is Hendon Hooker going to go? You know, you've got age and you've got an ACL. You've got a guy that put up really absurd numbers when healthy at Tennessee. The offense, I think a lot of people would call it just a hair gimmicky. And I know there is that fine line of like, well, you need to adapt your NFL offense to what these guys are doing in college. Tennessee seems to be super drastic in what they're doing. It might be a little bit harder to kind of marry some of that with an NFL system. But Hendon Hooker is a really, I think just, it's going to be an interesting name. And, you know, as much as the first four might have a little bit more intrigue, you can point to some second rounders that have had success in the NFL Jalen Hurts, of course, being atop the list. So, uh, we'll chat with Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst, coming up at nine. Third round? Oh, no, I, I think he'll be second. Do you really? I mean, we always see quarterbacks get pushed up the board. And if all four of them go in the first 10 picks, that's a long time from <laughs> 10 to, you know, 50. Who uh, is so the
0: last quarterback that you can recall, Kevin, that... That the combine catapulted them into top ten status. Because I think you could say that about anything Richardson to an extent. Right. I think Richardson was in the conversation as a possibility as joining this party and the you know, amongst the top quarterbacks. But once everybody physically got a look at him and watched him, then it's like, wow, okay, he he's he's very unique. And that kind of cemented him, I guess. Does that make sense what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, and to answer your question, I know it kind of sounds as a bit of a cop-out, but I, I don't know if we have a right. great example of it because the Combine is so much about... Oftentimes it's about finding out reasons not to take a guy. It, and a lot of that is again, is neck up. It just you know, finding out who that person is. And from a testing standpoint, and this is the debate we'll get into here over the next month and a half when you think about the Colts. If these four quarterbacks, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud... Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson, if they were four linebackers. So let's just take their height and weight and equate them to linebackers. Chris Bauer would not even sniff Bryce Young, and he would take Anthony Richardson 10 days out of 10. Does that apply to quarterback? I think there's more to a quarterback, certainly, than just height, weight, and vertical jump, and 40-yard dash, and all of those things. But that, I think, is what is so interesting about how the Colts will react to this. How do you view quarterback when you compare it to other positions, specifically with the Colts? Because Chris Bauer has been so, so stringent on testing numbers, measurables, those sorts of things. Um, Again, from a collegiate standpoint, still a little bit quiet on the conference tournament front here locally. Butler will play today at 3 o'clock. They've got St. John's in the 8-9 matchup out at Madison Square Garden for the Big East Tournament. Butler, 5.5-point underdog in that one. And then the Big Ten Tournament does get underway tonight. Ohio State, Wisconsin at 6-15. Minnesota, Nebraska at 9. We'll carry both of those games on our airwaves. Indiana could play Minnesota or Nebraska in their Big Ten opener on Friday. The winner of Minnesota-Nebraska gets Maryland tomorrow night. The winner of that then gets Indiana at 9 o'clock on Friday. So two Big Ten tournament games from the United Center. Uh, Jake, the six fifteen game, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Should I be keeping an eye on that one for the next coach at Notre Dame? Wow.
0: That's a good question. Who have you heard? I mean, I'm assuming that you've probably looked around at, at different reports.
4: Yeah, the short list is Brad Stevens, Jay Wright, and uh, Rick Pitino.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, who is?
4: Have why you heard any you, names? Why did mention? you laugh? Mm-hmm. Storied, beautiful campus. Brad Stevens coming to IU. Um, I believe his wife's looking at a house in the Granger <laughs> area right now. Um, I, I, you know, I saw Billy Donovan at the
0: Walmart down there in Bloomington. Uh,
4: a popular name was actually a guy that clinched a bid to the tournament last night. Pat Kelsey with Charleston, a former Skip Prosser assistant. If you go back to the Xavier days. Um, the Drake coach, uh, boy, De- Derek something or other, uh, they they made the NCAA tournament win in the MoVal. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury at Penn State. He's a good coach. Local product, Cathedral He's good, Grads. He is a
0: good coach. Coached around the state. So, um, I, Where do you think, Kevin, that the Notre Dame basketball job ranks? No, oh,
4: I, I don't think it's very good.
0: You, you know what I mean? Like, is, is Notre Dame, from a basketball coaching standpoint, is it considered a better job than Penn State? probably a draw, right? I think Notre Dame has a little more history to it, but in terms of the league you're in
4: and the, you know,
0: obviously both football schools.
4: As much as the transfer portal is so advantageous to many schools out there, it really is a bit of a disadvantage to Notre Dame. You know, when you think about a credit standpoint transferring into Notre Dame, they are, um, with basketball, I think pretty stringent in what they're going to allow there. So it's not just like free agency as it is, I think, for other programs. Um, And then the ACC, you know, what's your recruiting fertile ground? Like, do do you have a pipeline to any sort of area? Because you're so isolated from the conference from a geographic standpoint. Uh, Mike Bray was able to tap into that Washington, D.C. area, given his roots there, coaching at DeMatha High School, applying to DeMatha. Uh, But I I just, I I don't view it as a top 30 job in college basketball. Let me tell you
0: one thing I think is interesting about the transfer portal. And I don't know that there's any way to tangibly, financially, you know, n- know this. But take Miller Cop. When we had Miller Cop on the show, and I'm like, well, how does it work that you, you know, you're a year and a half from graduating at Northwestern, or however many credit hours he was, and then he transfers to Indiana. So uh, theoretically, I mean, you lose some credit hours, not every class transfers, so I can tell you that, ha- having been to you know, more colleges than than most people probably can even think of. But so which is a higher value, Kevin, for your—and I realize at the age of 20, it's difficult to think about life at the age of 45. But are you better off navigating through the business world and going through life as an Indiana basketball player the, the, the cachet that comes with that of, I played basketball in Indiana, and how long that helps you in the business world in the state of Indiana, primarily, like for Miller Cop or having a degree from an elite institution like Northwestern.
4: Well, I think the Northwestern degree opens you up to a little bit more of a nationwide, National. potentially international pipeline, whereas you probably need to concentrate on the 812 area code if you want to have longevity from right. an IU basketball standpoint. But you know, that's, standpoint.
0: that's what you think about. And I realize that it's difficult to think of that as a young person. But, I mean, you've got a chance. Like if...
4: Well, the Notre Dame theme that they try to preach endlessly from a football standpoint, it's a 40-year decision, not a four-year decision. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. Though. There is. Well, you know, I, I know it's very cliche, but I do think there is a lot. I mean,
0: if you have a degree from the University of Notre Dame, that that is just the prestige in that from an academic standpoint is a lot more than saying like yeah I got a degree from Kansas State
4: yeah I don't think saying that you're a Notre Dame basketball player would help you out a whole lot in the professional
0: world Uh, we have an internship for you at the FAN in
4: Indianapolis (laughs) you can play for our intramural team they play at the Y every other Tuesday night again Big Ten Awards announced yesterday Zach Eady, Big Ten Player of the Year I do not have an issue with that you know I found it interesting Purdue didn't have a I guess I'm not too surprised by it, but Purdue didn't have a single player on the second or third team. It just shows you even more was on Edie's plate. Where you know, if you get into a Trace Jackson Davis debate, you obviously had Jalen Hood Schifino with you. The coach's first team: Terrence Shannon from Illinois, again Trace Jackson Davis, Zach Edie, and then rounding out the team, Chris Murray from Iowa, Jalen Pickett from Penn State, Jalen Hood Schifino was second team All Big Ten, and of course he was freshman of the year the um,
0: you know the Edie Trace Jackson Davis debate it's a good one right but I think what you just said there Kevin about the the narrative or the outside perspective is that Edie is a guy that, that was more of an anchor to, which is crazy to say because Trace Jackson Davis has been phenomenal
4: yeah I mean in what 98% of Big Ten seasons Trace Jackson Davis is the Big Ten Player of the Year correct um, it's just wild how both of those years have unfolded for each of them. A lot of NFL chatter we can get into today. Lamar Jackson, that news yesterday, the franchise tag, the exclusive franchise tag being put on him. Um, so that involves some teams to potentially make
0: offers to Lamar Jackson. Now, can you explain for folks that don't know what the exclusive franchise tag means?
4: Yeah, so it's a $32 million franchise tag. So. Next year, $32 million for Lamar Jackson. Um, if you want him and he signs your offer sheet, you have to send Baltimore two first-round picks. Uh, that's the price. It doesn't include the type of contract Then you would have to hand Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar Jackson has chosen not to be represented by an agency, and I think he views the Deshaun Watson contract from last year of all the guarantee that went with that, and he wants that. And right or wrong, I think what you're going to see from the NFL is owners banding together here and saying, we strongly disagreed with what Cleveland did last year at the quarterback position. And I would be very surprised if Lamar Jackson garners the similar type now, of contract that Deshaun Watson got. Do Gallo you
0: started. have to match? So Lamar is going to make what this year? $32 million is the franchise. Do you have tag. to financially match that? Yes. Yes. So he is making at minimum 32. So a team can't come along and say, "Hey Lamar, here's the deal. We're going to give you 75 over 3 years, but we're going to guarantee it." And he could can he then say, "I'm gone," or does Baltimore say, "Sorry, you didn't match what we are paying him?"
4: Baltimore can match. They have the ability to well, match. Well, but that's less so, than.
0: What I'm saying is the the number that Baltimore put down, 32 million, right? Right. Does that mean that in order to acquire Lamar Jackson, you have to pay him at minimum $32 million, Or does that mean it's up to him on whether or not, you know,
4: hey... I mean, I guess you could offer whatever you would want. I'd assume Baltimore, if you're you're going to offer the low, Baltimore In other would match. words, in
0: restricted free agency, you have to match yes, Bal- financially the offer. Do you have to match the offer as well? Or do you simply know that if you can entice him to come your way, you have to compensate Baltimore?
4: Match. Deion, it's like the DeAndre Ayton situation okay. this past year. Right, right. The okay. Pacers sent that offer sheet. DeAndre Ayton signed that offer sheet. Phoenix then matched, and he was retained by the Suns there. Um, it is kind of crazy when you look at it and think what Russell Wilson went for last year. Like, somebody could get Lamar Jackson for two first round picks. Russell w- Wilson went for two first, two seconds, and like two or three players, and was done. And was done, but was also a lot if younger. You got to check, or the- excuse me, a lot older than it, it's. It's interesting to me that Lamar Jackson would cost so little compared to Russell Wilson, right? Financially, agreed. That is a big element to it. I have said before, in terms of the Colts, I would be worried about paying Lamar Jackson so much guaranteed money into his thirties. Because that's the
0: thing, and Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson has been a transcendent player. I mean, he is a phenomenal talent, and kudos to Lamar Jackson. He has thrived at a position where, unfairly, a lot of people thought he wasn't... Re- you know, Bill Polian. he's a receiver. He's not even a quarterback. He's been a... You know, he's an MVP. He's a great player. But I think that L- Lamar Jackson, so much of what he does, and he does... He is obviously able to throw the ball, but so much of what he does, I think, is predicated on defense is having to be honest because of his legs so as soon as those go away which inevitably or, happens at or some just point deteriorate a little bit correct that's what I mean as soon as there is a as soon as he goes from being a 100 as a runner to a 98 then you have to wonder if water finds its level bit.
4: starts rate. to chip away at his effectiveness obviously the injury situation from last year is something you would have to acknowledge but Again, I'm going to be extremely curious to see how all this unfolds. You know, if you're a Colts fan, you would love to see him. I think go to the NFC um, with how many quarterbacks are in, are in the AFC. I do think there was something interesting franchise tag related from yesterday. We can get into again with Stephen Holder coming up at eight o'clock. The Colts did not use the franchise tag. I don't think anyone expected them to. You did see several running backs. Get the franchise tag. Six players in total got it. Three of them running backs: Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs. I don't think the Colts would do this, Jake. But if I were running the show, I'd look long and hard about letting Jonathan Taylor play out the final year of his rookie deal this year. And then slapping the franchise tag on him next year. So you're going to get Taylor for two more years. That would help the rookie quarterback out. Okay. But you're not committing long term to him and then you could maybe reassess after the twenty twenty four season. I'm trying to think.
0: It's hard for me sometimes to remember specifics. I'm trying to think if there was somebody like in like September or October that that laid out whether or not it would be in the Colts' best interest to look at perhaps replacing jonathan taylor with a younger running back and not paying a second contract on him because of the devalue of the position and then like saying it on the radio and then literally everyone saying that person was a total moron has no idea what they're talking about and that jonathan taylor deserves a massive payday and contract number two
4: is there really that many people that think that paying jonathan taylor is an absolute no-brainer i think there are really well according to my mentions (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna act like it's 90% the other way, but I think, and maybe it comes from me always being a believer of you don't draft a running back till day three of the draft. I just think that's how you treat that position nowadays. But I don't think the Colts would go down the path that I just talked about. But I do think that was something that's something to explore internally. Now with the Giants doing that with Saquon Barkley, that obviously comes out of them giving Daniel Jones the deal that they gave how about Daniel Jones, man, him yesterday, and Daniel Jones falls into that category, Jake of is he Ryan Tannehill? Is he Kirk Cousins? You know, he, he he is in he's in that purgatory. And do you want to go back to hell if you get rid of him, or do you think there's a chance to move up the ranks? You know, it's just a awkward situation for the Giants. Part of me understands it. Part of me is like, that is a huge amount of money to pay him, but it's not like they're sitting there with a top ten pick, yeah, Jeremiah, for a guy who had one. All right, year. I know the Lord, but again, that question becomes who else? Uh, You could even make the argument of one half
0: an all right year, right? Like you could kind of see when it all came together for him.
4: You know, does Brian Dable say, "Hey, that's what we did with one year with him. What can we do with more years with him? We can, you know, further develop him." Might be wishful thinking. Jeremiah asked, "Do the Colts go for Jackson?" I think they do and draft another player position. I'd be surprised if they went after him and you know when he says draft another player position again Jake you got to give up two first rounders so you wouldn't have the number 4 pick you wouldn't have next year's first rounder those would be off to
3: Baltimore could the Colts even afford that contract anyway
4: the, I, mean, I think you can be finicky enough that you could make it work but given how penny pitching at time pinching at times they've been I would hesitate with that
0: you know an, another thing And I know we got to get to the check down. But the thing about Lamar Jackson that I think, tell me if this makes sense, Kevin. Probably not. Lamar Jackson is a guy that if you were looking for a quarterback, if you know that you are transitioning to a younger quarterback, you're going to draft a young quarterback and he's going to sit for a year and he's going to learn. I don't know that Lamar Jackson is the person that you want in the tutorial position, not because he's not seemingly a great leader and a great player. But Lamar Jackson's style of play is so unique that I don't know that how many traditional quarterbacks can learn from it.
4: Because oh, he, if you if you trade for Lamar Jackson, the, there's no young quarterback. I well, mean, I understood well. But in the Colts' case, there's Lamar there's Jackson's your quarterback of the future because the number four pick goes to Baltimore.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, so you're not sitting there in the top five anymore. Yeah, I guess you're right in that regard. I I, I just you know, when, but there were people that asked like in the off season, you know, hey, did the you know, before I guess the tag. I mean, somebody just asked me, do, do you think the Colts kicked the tires on him for him to be the guy? And you know, I guess you're right. You would not have him in the Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz type. No, or, well, I mean, Carson wants, Wentz wasn't that role. He
4: but. wants a fully guaranteed contract. He is your franchise quarterback for with, six years without yeah. question. If you were to make that move, Colts finalized our coaching staff yesterday. Some a uh, couple of uh, interesting tidbits from that we can get to. As well. Again, Stephen Holder going to join us at 8 o'clock behind the scenes with Anthony Richardson at the Combine. Mike DeCourcy talking Purdue's run for a number one seed at nine. And then Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst, recapping the Combine with us. Kevin and Query, Cotton Candy's Gone, above Riley Towers. Supposed to be another chilly Wednesday here in Indianapolis. 93.5, 107.5, the fam.
1: The morning checkdown. Omaha, Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: Last night in college basketball, Kevin Bowen thought to himself, well, the good news is Mark Dykton delivered the beer, and Jake's going to deliver it for me tomorrow. Bad news is I might need it right now. Virginia Tech, 67-64 over Notre Dame. The Irish season coming to an end at 11-21 in the ACC
3: tournament. I'll be at the next game, Kev. I swear.
4: You think they're on the bubble? (laughs) (laughs)
3: that cbi is like how much uh
0: how much you guys have in the hopper from your football program
4: they lost 10 acc games this year by two possessions or less well i got news for you kevin You might as well get blown out because they all count the same right sure sure yeah um they're up five like three months ago and then blew it in typical notre dame fashion so their season is over mike bray they air at notre dame hell of a run 23 years that Is over. Butler today, 3 o'clock, Big East Tournament. See if Butler can keep their season alive. 8-9 matchup with St. John's. They split with St. John's in the regular season. I would assume a lot of Red Storm faithful in the building, right? Madison Square Garden? Are there Red Storm faithful in New York City? I mean, I I would assume so, right? Five and a half point favorite St. John's with that one. And then tonight, on our airwaves, the Big Ten Tournament gets underway. Ohio State-Wisconsin at 6-15. I think the winner of that gets Iowa and then Minnesota, Nebraska approximately at nine o'clock. The winner of that gets Maryland, and the winner of that game then gets Indiana coming up on Friday. Again, Purdue noon on Friday, Indiana, nine o'clock.
0: Speaking yes. of Indiana, I have a ranking where Indiana scored extremely well in terms of good news for their college basketball program
3: that I'll tell you coming up in just a couple of minutes. You play taps in your home? After a Notre Dame loss, like when the season's over, you fold the socks and you put them back in the drawer. And You know, I'll be totally
4: work? honest. I had a couple sniffles. not a couple. Really? Yeah, I mean, think about your fandom. Mike Bray and what he did for Notre Dame basketball Fair. was a huge, huge part of some great, great moments. We're going to have Jordan Cornette on Friday. Is that Friday. Quite, Mark? Friday, yep. He was on the he call a, for the game.
0: He was on the call last night. Which one of you guys wants to tell me last night who was the leading leading scorer in the NBA? Two guys. Uh, Devin Booker. Uh, three guys actually looks like. Devin Booker is an excellent guest. Did Phoenix play last night? <laughs> I was gonna say I don't <laughs> even know who's. Up. <laughs> I
4: guess I should probably look at the schedule. Uh, last night
0: in the Association, thirty-three for Kyrie Irving. Mavericks over the Jazz, one twenty to one sixteen. Laurie Markman had thirty-three. Uh, Markman had thirty-three for Utah. By the way, so there's another thirty-three point score. You say Joel Embiid? Yeah, I know they played. Did Philly play last night? Okay, uh-huh. um, yeah, Joel Embiid on and national TV. Nice, Mark, 39. 117-94, Sixers over the Timberwolves. Uh, also with a 33-point outing last night, uh, Shea Gilgis, I can never say his middle name, uh, Alexander for Oklahoma City.
3: Gildress. No, it's Gildris, right? No. <laughs>
4: I can't say it, but I'm going to so, How did you, you say, it? say it? How did you say it? Shea,
3: Gildress, Alexander. There's no R in there. Shay Gilgis Alexander. It's, it's Gilgis Alexander. There's Whatever. no R in there. You, think Miles the R? Tur- but you just said you couldn't pronounce it, and then you yelled at me. Shay Gilgis Alexander, 33. I think
4: Miles Turner was just like wat- drinking some wine, watching the R. 76ers game on the couch, and be like, see? <laughs> happens to other people, too.
3: Yes, that's exactly what he was doing, actually. Looks like Steph Curry was the high man last night. 40 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Well, I don't the see w- the... Thunder's, Thunder beat the Warriors. Oh, yeah, he did that 71, Okay, there you go. Well, sorry.
4: I was very, very, uh, <laughs> Apology uh, very well done NBA segment there on the check down. Uh, bids clinched last night, NCAA tournament up at the fairgrounds. It was the Norse, Northern Kentucky. They've had a nice run. During the Horizon League, they clinched Charleston and Oral Roberts. Those are two teams that I believe are both in the third yeah,
0: win range. Good news for teams on the bubble last night, right? Because there were no bid stealers in those leagues.
4: Oral Roberts, undefeated regular season in the Summit League, and then, of course, the tournament. And Gonzaga beat St. Mary's. Boy, they blew them out, all man. All of a sudden. They're starting to climb back up three, potentially a two seed line. So Gonzaga once again gonna be a very It It's cool to see Drew Timmy celebrate his fortieth birthday with a
0: conference championship.
4: Yeah, is he coming back for a ninth year? <laughs> uh when we come back, we'll share Jake will share the uh IU. Courtesy of Dave First. Thought and again we'll get into the Colts coaching staff. Some interesting names on that list, interesting backgrounds as well in uh, a week from free agency with the franchise tag not being used for the Colts. So what does that mean? We'll explain coming up next here. Kevin and Query, 935 5, The Fan.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: I will officially declare right now at 746 in the morning on a Wednesday that if Oasis ever actually reunited to play a concert, I will go wherever the concert takes place. And be there to see it in
3: person. That is like a, a life goal right there. Front you're, row in Manchester. That's January. right. right. Do you ever narrow down your uh, Guns and Roses where you're going? I think it's going to have to be. The problem is. They're all weekdays. Correct. That's so what then, we went over before. It's like Wrigley Field is a Thursday night. I think it's probably going to be Hershey, Pennsylvania.
0: Um, speaking of watching things, I have before me, very interesting, according to the Sports Business Journal, Dave First sent this to me this morning. The top 15 most viewed college basketball games of the regular season. Would you like to guess, amongst the top 15, how many games involved the Purdue Boilermakers? Kevin Bowen.
4: Well, let me throw in, I guess, first, I assume this was done before Notre Dame-Virginia Tech last night. <laughs> <laughs> Again, regular season games. Okay, Okay. thank you for clarifying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many involved Purdue? Yes. Uh Let's go with... Well, let's go with two. Let's go with both the Indiana games. One.
0: Purdue and Indiana on February 4th. That would have been in
4: Bloomington, correct? Four o'clock tip, right, on a Saturday afternoon? Yep, on ESPN. Boy, Purdue got uh, those tips out in Portland. I feel like we're at midnight, all three of them. The Gonzaga game, the Duke game, some of the other marquee ones they had earlier this year over Thanksgiving weekend. Which team appears the most... In the top 15
0: ranked the most top the 15 highest viewed games which team appears in the most of those games
4: um well i mean you gotta think indiana's close to being up there right if if based off how you asked it i would say kentucky but again indiana had arizona they had uh, kansas both saturday games i i guess i'll go with indiana
0: indiana appeared in two of the five and three of the seven most highly viewed games of the college basketball season. Indiana and Michigan State on January 22nd was the fourth highest viewed game. Michigan and Indiana on March 5th on CBS was the fifth highest ranked game of the season.
4: So that's the key. put Indiana on CBS, right? And Purdue and Indiana, seventh. Because the Michigan State game, I think, was a CBS game, like a Sunday... Afternoon, or maybe a Sunday at noon, if I'm not mistaken. Which one? Uh, The IU-Michigan State
0: game. That was also a CBS game, yep. Now, Kentucky appears more than anybody else, but Kentucky's highest-ranked game was against Michigan State. That puts them sixth. Then eighth, UCLA-Kentucky. Tenth, Kansas-Kentucky. Thirteenth, Kentucky and Arkansas. And fifteenth, Auburn and Kentucky. North Carolina-Duke was second. North Carolina-Duke, and then Duke-North Carolina was third. If either one of you, and I'll give you real quick before we move on, I'll give each of you three guesses off the top of your head, and if you get the number one most viewed college basketball game of this past regular season, if you can name either of the two teams that were participating, I will right now, just like we did on Friday when I missed an hour of the show, I will miss an hour to go out and buy you the breakfast and then like the case
3: of beer of your choice. Mark three schools. Alabama okay uh, Clemson and Gonzaga okay Kevin Bowen
4: ah uh, boy I have no idea um shamana I'll even give you the it was a
0: conference game it was a big East conference game
4: Creighton Nova and Providence
0: <laughs> I'm not leaving because I gave you the hint uh DePaul and Creighton. What? Was the highest ranked college basketball game of the year? What time and what channel? It, here's the kicker: it was on Fox,
4: but it was on Christmas Day. I, I you know, it's, when you read off those games, pretty much all of them are conference games that you read off. It right. just shows you how college basketball. The only the non. non-
0: Conference game would be Kansas Kentucky right? Which,
4: if I'm not mistaken, I think was played post January, and I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's January 28th. You have these non-conference games, Kansas IU, Arizona IU, but they're during football season. Yeah. So nobody watch. You know, Correct. nobody watched them to no, the degree right. that they're also during those other games.
0: Like when did Arizona play Indiana? was it like that seven o'clock
4: on a Saturday? But
0: wasn't it mid December? Right. You know, people are doing stuff, Kevin. Sure. I, you know, the, during the holidays, it's like, oh, the holiday party, or we're going over to so-and-so's house for the Christmas get-together, or I'm shopping, or we're going to Chicago for the weekend. You know, I mean, people have things going on.
4: Uh, Shane Steichen completed his coaching staff. It was announced yesterday. Eight new names on the staff besides Steichen. A couple of things that I found interesting. No one comes over from Philadelphia. Uh, if you go back to his Chargers days – Outside of Gus Bradley, the only any sort of crossover there is an assistant line coach by the name of Chris Watt. Notre Dame fans will recognize that name. He played at Notre Dame. Just miss um, playing with Quentin Nelson by a year, but you don't have the Eagles Chargers connections. I think you know I think naturally when you hire a new head coach, you think, oh yeah, let's just go back to the former team he was just with. Very young on offense, everyone's under the age of 45, many of them under the age of 40. Jake, if you look at the five position coaches Shane Steichen is hired, so quarterback, running back, wideout, tight end, O-line, those five names, including Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne the only holdover from the Frank Reich staff on offense, those five names have combined for five years in the NFL as their position coaches. So it is a very youthful, inexperienced offense. I like the college background and some of the innovation that you see with some of the youthful names on offense, but on offensive line, that would be the one area that I have concern. Tony Sperano Jr., again, his father was an NFL head coach. He is the new O-line coach. That, to me, is a position where I almost feel like some of those veterans could use a kick in the ass from someone that's been in the league and kind of walks in that room and has instant credibility. Yeah, I I get that. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll work out well. But that was one area where I was like, and and they don't even have it in the assistant O-line coach. I I thought going veteran there would have made a little bit more sense.
0: Who is the – so give me the name of the staff again. All the names. Just read them off.
4: Oh, wow. Everybody? Yep. Um, Okay, offense coordinator uh, Coach Cooter. Just the names is cool. Um – Gus Bradley, Brian Mason, special teams, Cam Turner, quarterbacks, DeAndre Smith, running backs, Reggie Wayne, wideout, Tom Manning, tight end, Tony Sperano Jr. is the O line coach, and then defensively they bring back all of their position coaches. So that includes even guys like Cato June and Mike Mitchell, a couple ex Colts. So Gus
0: Bradley is the veteran in the room, right?
4: yeah I think technically maybe his linebackers coach Richard Smith has been in the NFL a little bit longer maybe even Ron Miles the DB coach but Gus Bradley clearly has the most fanfare of any of these names again the special teams coordinators Brian Mason came from Notre Dame Zinesville native he takes over for Bubba Ventrone
0: you know my thought X's and O's are really important Jimmy's and Joe's are more important Got to get them players.
4: Yeah, certainly got to get them players. Um, I do think, you know, coaching matters It does. In the of NFL. course it does, of yeah, course. I think in a league that has so much parity, that can be the difference. And, I mean, think back to just a couple of years ago. I know those names might not offer a whole lot of, like, relevancy right now. But there I am at the Combine last week, and four of the 32 coaches in the NFL were on the Colts staff just two years ago. Yeah, it's crazy how these people can evolve so quickly and also, become man, what a gig I, household names. I, I I kid you not. You,
0: you get in the NFL and you get to the point where you are a, a position or whatever coach in the NFL, and you make it through two three years on a roster or on a staff. It's a revolving door, man. What a gig. I would love it. I would do. I would. I would love to be a coach just to collect all the gear. Right.
4: You gonna commit yourself to those hours? For that gear, sure. So Reggie Wayne, Cato June, Mike Mitchell, the three ex-Colts, all of them are back for another year. Aaron asked about John Fox. John Fox now in Detroit.
0: Which which franchise would you, if you collected all the gear, would you least wear? Do you think?
4: The Browns. <laughs>
0: No occasion just to wear a bunch of orange stuff.
4: It's like, oh yeah, out. it's Halloween again for Kevin. <laughs> Pass him out to Rosie's class. You guys I also want
0: to wear orange today. I also wonder if, like the Jaguars, you know, are there coaches that are like, yeah, I don't, can I get on another staff? So
4: at least it's kind of a cool looking animal. It is. Uh, Stephen Holder behind the scenes with Anthony Richardson at the combine. We'll talk about that next. Here, Kevin and Corey. So our next guest, Stephen Holder from
5: ESPN.
4: had a pretty cool NFL Combine experience, and that was behind-the-scenes access throughout the week with Florida's Anthony Richardson, who obviously put on a show at the NFL Combine. And Stephen joins us now here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, I want to know everything about your experience (laughs) with Anthony Richardson, but as someone that is just curious about, you know, how that even comes about, just kind of walk us through how and, and what type of access you were granted with uh the home run of the combine.
6: Yeah, I think these things always boil down to relationships. And so obviously I don't know Anthony Richardson or did not know him, uh but I I did have a pre-existing relationship with his his agents. Uh, both of them, and, you know, just from previous dealings with previous players and stories I've worked on. And so, I, you know, I figured, hey, what, why not, let's see if we can uh, maybe figure something out that might be unique. You know, we're always trying to find different ways to cover things that are kind of old and stale, you know, like the Combine, and, and this is one way to do it. So, basically, I... I said, look, I just want to be a fly on the wall. I, don't, I won't get in the way. Let me just kind of hang around and, and just kind of see what I can see. And I, I figured something might come out of it, uh, not necessarily knowing at the time that he would uh, do some historic things through the week. So um, that's how it came about, and I'm glad it worked out.
0: What was, Stephen, for you, and we'll get to Anthony Richardson in a moment, but in terms of following around a prospect at the Combine, what was a procedure or a process that was the most eye-opening or surprising to you in terms of what they undergo throughout the course of their time here?
6: Well, I think the, the biggest thing, and I did kind of know this, but it, it's a very vivid reminder, is just how much they are pulled in so many different directions. There's so much going on. All right, he, he gets on a flight, I think, and leaves Florida at 5 a.m. Or, excuse me, he gets up, I should say, at 5 a.m. last Tuesday, right? He flies into Indianapolis, and he's going until 1130 that night with team interviews and other matters that have to be dealt with. And he's up the next morning early, same routine, uh, interviews, medical exams, and then all this happens. And then he's got to get a workout in at the end of the day, because by the way, you have to stay conditioned and stay sharp physically. And so that's, that's another late night. We, we're walking back to the hotel, the player's hotel on Wednesday evening. And it's, it's around 11 o'clock and this kid is dragging. Okay. He's just dragging. And he's like, I'm so tired. He's like, I'm going to sleep so well tonight. and, you can kind of really just feel it's just like any of us who have had a long day. It, it felt like that, except this is the biggest week of his life, right? You know, this opportunity that he has. So I think it just really drives home just how much they tax them mentally and physically. I actually think it's very intentional so that they can see whether they can handle it.
4: And Stephen Holder with dot com is latest behind the scenes with Anthony Richardson at the combine. Again, I want to focus here for just a second. Um, When you look at the Colts, Stephen, in regards to Richardson, and you look at the AFC right now, the AFC is loaded. Loaded with great quarterbacks and young quarterbacks. Do you think at all the Colts view this as, if we want to compete in this conference and compete at the top of this conference, we need to swing for the fences. We need to try and get the freakiest of athletes the highest potential because if you want to survive in a conference with Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes Joe Burrow etc and they've already played deep into January into February we've got to take a huge swing could you see Chris Ballard having that sort of mindset and then obviously Richardson would be the guy that I think would speak to that more than any of the other quarterbacks
6: well look I mean I think their their thinking is still fluid probably but but here's the thing what you are saying is undoubtedly true and and they have to at least acknowledge the the reality of everything you just said look here's I, I think are the two best examples and i've shared this with JMV the other day i'll repeat it here you have in 2017 the Kansas City Chiefs they trade up significantly right from the bottom of the first round to number 10 go get Patrick Mahomes i know at the time it was kind of, eh, whatever. But I think we don't give them enough credit for not only identifying Patrick Mahomes as the next thing, but also being aggressive and in going in, getting him. That's the part that I think we need to talk about. So they did that, and they've obviously been rewarded handsomely. Now, go to a couple of years ago. The Philadelphia Eagles, they draft Jalen Hurts, but it's not that. That's not the biggest decision they made it was the decision to say we are 50 million dollars in on carson Wentz, and we don't care we are going to say you're gone and jalen hurts after like five starts is going to be our starter i mean that was risky right that was risky Uh, but they saw something and they had conviction and damn it they were right (laughs) okay They, they were unquestionably right about that so I think those are two examples that the Colts and frankly, a lot of teams should look at and say, swing hard, swing for the fence uh, because there's lots of middling quarterbacks out there. I mean, look, I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Uh, Do we think the New Orleans saints are going to be in the Super Bowl next year? I certainly don't. If I'm I'm wrong, I'll eat my words, but my point is uh, you, if you need someone special, they have to be special. I think at this point and the, the just completed Super Bowl is a perfect example of that. You think
4: Anthony Richardson's camp believes he'll last past pick number five? Uh,
6: they think that everything's on the table, including uh, the top five, and it's impossible to know, right? But I will tell you this: I I learned enough last week, spending time around him and and learning, you know, what the level of interest is and from where. I learned enough to be. Thoroughly convinced. He's in the top 10 for sure, in my opinion. You never know for sure. Let me rephrase that. I think he's going to be in the top 10. I think he could be in the top five. That would take, obviously, some real conviction by someone. But I don't think it's off the table. I think the the best example is Trey Lance. A couple years ago, going to San Francisco. It's something that Anthony Richardson said. He says, I only need one team to be to really be sold. And Trey Lance is the greatest example of that. I mean, we spent months talking about, I don't know, this guy's a, you know, an FCS player, they didn't have a full season because of COVID, we don't know anything and he goes number 3 overall. We still don't really know anything, but that ain't the point. The point is if we're talking about where he's going to be drafted, I think Trey Lance is a great example of when a guy has tantalizing skills that teams really really get tempted i think that's a very similar example to what we're seeing with anthony richardson
0: Stephen Stephen holder by the way is our guest espn.com is where you can read his work he's on the Payless liquors hotline let me read you the name of 10 quarterbacks and i want you to tell me that there's a reason that these 10 quarterbacks jump out to me okay mark sanchez scott zolick chris sims nick Foles, heath shuler ryan mallett ryan fitzpatrick cody kessler dak prescott jim drunkenmiller now do you know what those guys all have in common steven um
6: hmm.
0: aside from relative underperformance as professionals or
6: is it that they were pocket passers
0: Those, those are the 10 guys that had the largest hand size Uh, and showed as the best measurables in Combine history at the quarterback position. Not all of them, but I think you could make the argument. Scott Zolick certainly comes to mind. Heath Shuler absolutely comes to mind. Ryan Mallett comes to mind. Probably Cody Kessler as well. These are guys that the the tape on them in college wasn't overwhelming, but from a physical standpoint, they were can't-miss guys that you had to take a shot on because all the measurements were fabulous. And then you know what? the tape wasn't very good at the NFL level. Is Anthony Richardson a risk at being the same type thing?
6: He's a risk for sure. You know, the level of risk I think depends on the eye of the beholder, but yes, he, there is a risk. There's no question uh, you, as I said earlier, I mean, he's got 13 starts, so you don't have the same level of, of certainty. Not that there is ever any certainty, Right but you just don't have the same level of information, I guess that you do after a guy has started two or three years. That's a fact, right? I mean, we have more tape of Bryce young. We have more tape of CJ Stroud and they've been doing it longer. There's a bigger body of work. All of that is true. But I think the difference between Anthony Richardson and, and some of the quarterback busts who were physically gifted in the past, but whom didn't enjoy NFL success. I think the difference here is really the fact that he hasn't played a lot, actually, because you have that upside, that untapped upside and I think he got better over the course of 2022. He got better over the course of the season. I remember sitting down and watching Florida versus Kentucky early in the season, I don't get around to watching much college football because I'm traveling to a Colts game or something on a Saturday, but I knew there was some hype and, and sat down and watched that game and was thoroughly disappointed. (laughs) But that was also very early in the season. And I think by the end of the season, you started to see a guy who was much more comfortable. That gives me some, some comfort if I'm an NFL team, because if he can continue on that trajectory of improvement at the NFL level with the time invested with the, the improvement in coaching, with the higher level of athlete around him, that is going to give me some comfort that he can continue on that trajectory. But again, you don't know anything on these things. Right? It's all a projection and jobs are on the line. I get it.
0: In any way, shape, or form, Stephen Holder, was it possible for you to even get like an idea of which of those four quarterbacks the Colts seemed to raise their eyebrow towards the most?
6: I don't think a clear picture has has been ascertained just yet on that. Uh, and, and it may not be. I will tell you, the Colts are, are, are being very intentionally vague. <laughs> and this is very deliberate. I know this. Uh, about their intentions at quarterback and about their evaluations of the quarterback, uh, they're they're doing a good job of not uh, indicating very much. Uh, I will tell you this: I know I was with Anthony Richardson last week, so I can speak to him. I, I do know they have quite a bit of interest; they are very intrigued by him. Uh, does that mean he'll be the guy? No, because again, I can't speak to how they view the other quarterbacks, uh, but. I do know they like him and I do know they're very intrigued and, and have spent a great deal of time evaluating him uh, both from afar and in person.
4: Stephen Holder from ESPN.com. He is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The franchise tag deadline came and passed. Colts still have not used it since Pat McAfee in 2013. Monday is when the legal tampering begins. I say that in quotes because we know full well when noon rolls around on Monday, we'll start to get some deals announced before things officially start a week from today. That is Wednesday for the new league year. Steven, are you standing on a table for any Colts free agent not named Chase McLaughlin? <laughs> um,
6: yeah, well, definitely. I don't want to go through a, a kicking fiasco again, so I'm with you there. Um, standing on a table? No, I don't know about that. I, I would say I think their, their most appealing free agent might be Bobby Okereke, and and I, and I don't mean to dismiss Yannick Ngakwe. I think he is He is a very good player. But in terms of where Bobby ranks at his position, I I think he could, he he may be higher. He he may be the guy who, at his position group, gets, uh, you know, maybe a a really sizable contract. And frankly, that's a position where the Colts have a great track record of of drafting guys, developing them, and then replacing them. And I think they're going to do the same thing here. Uh, particularly if they can get or if they feel good about uh, getting Shaquille Leonard back on the field this year, you're, you'd have him and Zaire Franklin, and I think that's a pretty good combination for your, your top two linebackers, which is really what matters, the top two. So is uh, a tough one. I like him a lot, and I think he was very valuable to the Colts last year. Uh, the, the question really just becomes, do they want to double down and pay him big money? Or would they rather continue sort of with the pass rush uh, by committee approach, if you will, and and hope that that a couple of their young guys start to emerge a little more and continue, I guess, their emergence. We're starting to see it already, but does that continue? Um, or do you want to sort of put more eggs in that, that one basket uh, with Ngakwe? I, I don't know. I, I guess it just really depends on the number. I would say – the Colts, their cap space is not—I forget the number off the top of my head—but it's depending on what they do with with Matt Ryan, it's it's going to be okay and they'll be fine. But it's not one of those years where they've got sixty million dollars. Yeah, Twelve
4: million right now, obviously, like right. you said, with with Ryan, you can open up a whole lot more.
6: Right, but it, it's not going to be one of those years where like. Not that they have ever really taken advantage of it, but it's not gonna be one of those years where the Colts can just do whatever they want because uh, they have limitless cap space. There there are gonna be some limitations this year.
0: Steven, I want you to <clears throat> close your eyes for a second and, and envision with me, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna take a, uh, an imaginary trip here, right? If you fall back asleep, that's right. I will not right. judge it well, all, Stephen. Yeah. yeah. You close your well, you're gonna answer that. You close your eyes right now. It's the Colts' bye week, so it's probably somewhere late October, early November, somewhere in there. And ESPN says to you, Stephen, here's what we're going to do. The Colts have been using a rookie quarterback this year, and he's had some success and some struggles. But we're going to send you uh, back to his college to interview his college staff about what they think about how his rookie year is going, talk to some of the fans about how much they're following the Colts. You find yourself in what town?
6: So – I figured that's where this was going. This is a total guess, okay? Total guess. But Are you driving or flying? <laughs> so I think I'm driving three hours east to Columbus, Ohio.
0: Now, the other question is this. Is that because the Colts are able to get C.J. Stroud at number four, or is Chris Ballard going to have to start wheeling and dealing like Griggs is wheeling and dealing. Is he going to have to do the same to move up to get C.J. Stroud? Yeah, that is
6: that is an interesting question. Uh, I, I I lean towards saying, let's put it this way. If, if you want to be sure that you get C.J. Stroud, I think you have to move up. He might fall. He might. But are you willing to stake... Your, your future on that or your reputation, I mean, or Bryce Young for that matter, right? I mean, I think either of those top two quarterbacks, because they are the top two as we sit here today, right? Now, the reality on draft day may be different, but as we sit here today, we think they're the top two. I don't see how you can sleep at night and say you're going to get either one of those guys at number four. If you're, if you're counting on that, then that's a bad bet. That's a terrible bet, in my opinion.
0: Is Will Levis still in the the thought problem? Maybe he wasn't. I mean, I've heard other, you know, Will Levis is fascinating to me because, Stephen, I've heard Will Levis, some people say, is a top four quarterback. Others say he's not a first rounder. Where do you think post-combine things sit with Will Levis' stock?
6: It doesn't seem like anything's really changed with him. I, I think it's kind of you are wherever you are with him. And I think he can be a successful NFL quarterback. I don't. I, I do agree. We haven't talked enough about him uh, because number one, he's probably going to go higher than people think. Uh, he's a quarterback. He's a, he's got a viable skill set in 2023, and half the league could use an upgrade, right? So <laughs> he's going to do just fine, in my opinion. So we're probably not talking enough about him now, as it relates to the Colts. Ah, really hard to say. Really hard to say. I, I just don't. I don't know that the assessment with him, or at least it, it feels this way, right? No one's actually said these words out loud, but, but it feels like with Levis, like there's maybe not as much expectation that he has elite potential as some of these other guys. I'm, I may be wrong about that, right? That's just my sense. That is just my observation, my sense. We'll see if I'm proven right. But it does feel that way.
4: Steven, last one from me. The big news in the NFL yesterday was Lamar Jackson, the non-exclusive franchise tag, $32 million for next year. If a team wants to get Lamar, they would have to give him a new contract. I think a lot of people believe that would be potentially a fully guaranteed contract and then also give the Ravens two first-round picks. I found it very interesting yesterday that seemingly minutes after you had this announcement that the that the Ravens franchise tag, Lamar Jackson, like six reportedly quarterback needy teams all had their respective whatever beat people or national reporters come out and be like, yeah, we have no interest in Lamar Jackson. Is this owners colluding, coming together and saying we strongly – disagreed with the Deshaun Watson guaranteed contract that Cleveland gave him last year. And we will not allow that to happen with Lamar Jackson.
6: Well, first of all, we don't have to speculate. We know they didn't like the Deshaun Watson contract. Like that was a bridge too far for most NFL owners. And it's one of the reasons you've seen uh, the Baltimore ownership come out and say, look, that is not something that we uh, want to do. I have, I have, I mean, I can't prove this. Nobody can, but I mean, are, are we to sit here and believe that the NFL ownership hasn't talked about this among themselves? You're damn right. They have. <laughs> okay. Because as much as they want to beat each other, the one thing that they love is, is money. Right. And and they are businessmen and women. So they understand this. They understand what's at stake here. If you start giving out a bunch of guaranteed contracts. Could that eat into your bottom line? Of course it could. So, you know, this is front and center. There was actually an ownership meeting this week. (laughs) in, I believe Palm beach. I'm not saying it was on the agenda. I'm just saying. So anyway, here's my point. I I think that there, it it was to me, it, it was so blatant. Like they're so bad at this. Okay. As you said, all right, It's one thing to say you don't want to give Lamar Jackson a guaranteed contract. I'm fine with that. Like, I don't think there's any – I don't have any issue with that. That is fine. A perfectly reasonable position. However, to say you're not even going to engage with him is kind of ridiculous. And it shows to me, at least, that this was predetermined. It it certainly suggests that it was predetermined. I mean, who knows? If you engage with him, maybe if you pay – Maybe you can pay a little more than other teams might be willing to pay and not guarantee the whole thing, and that may then appeal to him, right? I mean, who knows? But they're not even engaging with Lamar Jackson, so they're not even bothering to have the conversation. I mean, that should say something right there.
0: Steven, last one from me. I was thinking about this on the drive-in. I've always liked Derek Carr's skill set. I think he seems like a decent guy. I might have totally misread him. I don't know. We'll probably never know that. But by him, by by Derek Carr going to New Orleans, there's nothing overly splashy or sexy about Derek Carr. There's nothing really overly splashy or sexy about the New Orleans Saints. But by signing him, do they all of a sudden become? in the mix in the NFC strictly based on the fact that that division is abysmal with no known quarterback and the NFC is the polar opposite of the AFC in terms of quarterback depth?
6: I do think it was a good move for him to go to the NFC. I would Correct. say that. Yeah. I mean, listen, he was in the AFC West, man. <laughs> okay? Patrick Mahomes, Dustin
0: Herbert. You know, somebody asked this. I think this is a great question. Is Derek Carr the best Worst quarterback in his division in the history of the NFL?
6: <laughs> That's a fair question. Look, I, I also like Derek Carr. I also think he's a decent human being. I, I, I've always struggled to evaluate him as a quarterback. I, I, I really, really want to like him and do and have liked him at times, but then I also look at, well, the results just aren't there, and, and what does that say? Despite that team at times having a fair amount of talent the Raiders I'm talking about right so I don't know how to feel about him sometimes I really don't but anyway be that as it may I do think it's very interesting He, he that maybe solidifies your point that he's maybe one of those worst best quarterbacks <laughs> it's very interesting but he is definitely the best quarterback in that division pending other moves obviously I think Carolina is is a team that's gonna make a move. That, that's one other thing. I know this is not what you asked me, but I would say one one takeaway from the combine that I had is that Carolina, they are getting them a quarterback, buddy. That is happening.
4: Yeah, I think they could be a big trade up here coming up in late April. Um Steven I Lied, last one, Paris Campbell back with the Colts. Uh,
6: I think so. I, I do. I, I think it makes too much sense. Pretty weak uh, I, wide receiver
4: free agent market.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think if the if the money's cheap, and I think it will be, but but we'll see. I mean, I would say the, the one thing I would say is that the wide receiver is a position that tends to get overpaid, kind of like I mean, at least in perception wise, um, it's it's just a big dollar position at times, and you know, guys can can get more money than you think. So we'll see, we'll see. But but I would say this: I do think as the Colts kind of evaluate what they have, I do think that wide receiver is a position where where maybe they are are thinking about whether they have enough. So we'll see what that ends up meaning in the end, but I, maybe that's a product of, of Shane Steichen and his thinking. We'll see.
4: Steven, great work on the Anthony Richardson front. Again, that is his latest up on ESPN.com, behind the scenes with Richardson at the Combine. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Steven. All right guys. Take care. Steven Holder right there on the Payless Liquors hotline on the Paris Campbell front. Be curious if Frank Reich makes a call. I guess there's familiarity
0: there. I, I think a Paris Campbell is a good player that probably a situational guy, right? Like the right situation. Like I don't know that he just airdrops into any place and becomes a dynamic player but he, he to his credit Kevin he did two things last year that were impressive the first was he made it into the finals of the knockout competition with Kristen Ari and myself uh <laughs> that you got to sit and watch and the other is that he he did have a nice solid year for the Colts
4: well more than anything Jake he was healthy yeah I mean, more than just production. He played all 17 games, and that has got to be such a mental relief for him in a contract after his first three years. Over 60 catches, over 600 yards. We know teams pay for speed. I am particularly interested in just how that market will look like for Campbell because I do think the Colts need help at wideout, even if they bring him back, but I also think he's a good complement to what you have in Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce as a different style. Wide out. So, a whole lot more on the free agency front to get to as we are less than a week away from the fireworks beginning on that front. Uh, let's hit a morning checkdown.
1: The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and
0: 107.5, the fan. We are sparing Kevin Bowen from hearing once again the results of the ACC tournament from yesterday, at least for a second. Because we'll begin with the association, the NBA. Last night, it was Steph Curry with 40. <coughs> that was the high score, but it was not enough because Oklahoma City 137-128 over the Golden State Warriors last night. Joel Embiid, as JMV pointed out, played the second half of a back-to-back, played 28 minutes, still enough to get 39 points against a three-time defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert and the Timberwolves. 117-94, the Sixers win in that one. Charlotte, the Bucks, the Wizards, the Lakers... The Mavs and the Brooklyn Nets also winners night in the NBA.
4: Pacers uh, back to practice today. They will take on the Rockets at home tomorrow. Houston has lost, I think it's 12 of their last 14. The Spurs, the only team they've beaten in that stretch Well, they beat there. the Pacers, the Spurs. Uh, so the Pacers should be a pretty big favorite at home tomorrow against the Rockets. Now the
0: question is, Kevin, you have your collection of beers from... Mark and myself uh-huh. from your Shane Steichen draft.
4: Right. After about three months. If
3: <laughs> Now, Shane Steichen was hired two weeks ago. And then you went to Florida for That's a week. Right.
0: If tonight, or actually tomorrow night, if the Pacers win and you cash in on your 30 win over under wager and you crack a celebratory beer, you have several to choose from, which one are you going with first?
4: So I've got to pick one of you or Mark? Correct.
0: Well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you have, let's see, your options are what?
4: Yeah, I've got some Taxman from Mark. Okay. Um, I've got Rolling Rock from you along with PBR and WeMac. I, I might start with the Taxman, Mark. I thought that was intriguing. Yeah. A little like. bit of a new look to it. I thought the cans looked cool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll probably go with the WeMac second. Okay. The Royal Rock bottle is pretty old faithful. I mean, PBR is the definition of. I think you crack two and you double fist faithful. them
3: both and then you do kind of like a taste test.
4: I may pour one on top of my head to celebrate Mike Bray's departure. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame lost last night, ACC tournament. Uh, it was a very close game, back and forth, relatively entertaining. Notre Dame
3: had a league Relatively
0: late. entertaining. Uh, it's Notre- That's been
3: the season in a nutshell. Relatively show, I
0: think. entertaining. Is Notre Dame is more
3: defines this show
0: than relatively entertaining.
4: Just a horrific, flagrant one call uh, in the final two minutes. Mike Bray was irate. Um, not a he whole was lot. Relatively of irate. Fanfare walking off the floor in his final game. So Notre Dame season is over. Uh, will Butler season be over at about five o'clock today? Or are they going to get it done? Uh, the dogs do play tonight.
0: As a matter of fact, last night we should also tip of the cap to the Horizon League Championship last night. The Norse, uh, Northern Kentucky, right? Butler and St. John's. That's a three o'clock tip. Big East tournament first round in New York City. Um, five and a half point underdog, Butler. I I do, and by the way, speaking of, my, my brain's all over the place here, speaking of the Big East, we mentioned it earlier, the top 15 highest ranked television college basketball games of the season, the number one, the highest ranked regular season game in college basketball this year, Creighton and DePaul, a Fox television matchup, but it was Christmas Day. Indiana was in three of the top seven highest-ranked games, including against Purdue. That was the seventh highest-rated television game. Indiana and Michigan State, Indiana and Michigan, the other two in that list. But back to the... Kevin, I love that the Coliseum is the site for the Horizon League Championship. I know that, unfortunately, the matchup... Northern Kentucky, I think, brought some fans. It's just such a cool venue, and I would love for that to be able to continue to be used in college basketball in some way shape or form but it was cool that was a good game actually in the horizon league championship with northern kentucky and and i always forget uh it was northern kentucky it was the norse and and cleveland state the vikings right yes uh Uh, northern kentucky hit a huge three late in that contest uh to carry the men and Last night in the other conference tournaments, as you talked about Oral Roberts and College of Charleston both winning, that's good news for teams on the bubble because that means no bid-stealers in those leagues, right? We'll
4: see how tonight plays out. Wisconsin, Ohio State six fifteen. the Big Ten Tournament. Wisconsin needs, you would think, multiple wins to get in. Uh, Minnesota-Nebraska is the 9 o'clock tip from the United Center, and then tomorrow... Um, That's where you'll get the noon game between Michigan and Rutgers. Rutgers barely on the right side, Michigan on the wrong side of the bubble right now. Purdue will take on the winner of that one coming up Friday at noon. We'll touch on some Big Ten awards. Coming up next, and again, Colts Free Agency. Anybody that you're standing on a table for as things get underway next week with that. Still got Mike DeCourcy coming up in the 9 o'clock hours. Purdue with one seed. We'll chat with him about that. And the Combine recap from a national standpoint. Matt Miller, VSPN.com.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: 930. Now, here, here's the dilemma that we're running into, and this is the story of my life, okay? Uh, and by the way, I do know that Noel Gallagher is going to be at uh, whatever they call it, Deer Creek now. Is it Ruoff? Is it Verizon? Ruoff, is it, yeah. Is it the Sun King Center? What? What is it? Is no. it Ruoff?
3: Yes. Okay.
0: Is that a local or national deal, Ruoff? Don't know. I thought Ruoff was like out of Carmel, and then all of a sudden... You know, I'm like in Omaha and there's a roo off something.
3: There's up. no way he has a red nose and he helps Santa. <laughs> I have a red nose too. Did you see this? I did, yeah. I, I, I didn't know what was going on with it. You. it
0: I, I looked like I, I took a stumble and took a bite on a sidewalk or something, but when Saint I was something I, the Saint Pete Sun is exactly right. Thank you, Kevin. I, I the my skin started peeling and I have a, a dot on my nose. Mm-hmm. But but here's the dilemma that I that I figured out that I've run into. This is the story of my life. So we do the numbers game for the NCAA tournament and and people go crazy for it. I mean, they start lining up, traffic gets rough in March cuz people are lined up out here for numbers. They just go crazy for it. And kids love the game. And you we so we assign people there's 68 teams. Valerie are our, our unofficial show number assigner randomly assigns each school a number and then people call in, we give them that's that team. And there are three ways to win. You either win by having the team that wins the NCAA tournament, you win by having the double-digit seed that advances the furthest, or you win by having the team that gets blown out by the largest margin in the tournament. And people go crazy for it. And, and, and then this always happens to me. We're coming up on the year, and I have yet to give out any prizes. Now, Darnell was last year the winner with Kansas, and then
4: I can't remember who had St. Peter's. It's kind of how I felt about the old Shane Steichen bet. So I, I, I can, know I can empathize I, with our listeners.
0: And so, so now we're we're working on getting together fabulous prizes for everybody, like oh, partying fabulous. They, yeah. We have
3: prizes of no, some no. sort. They're
0: going to be wonderful prizes, parting so. gifts, maybe some air freshener, that kind of thing. And then I've got to get Darnell because we do the same for the five hundred. And then I forgot about that too. And Darnell won both, so now I owe him. Literally, he he's actually he's living with me for a week. Is what's oh. gonna happen
3: it sounds like you lost then <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say boy that's a bad bet right there i can't eat any more spaghettios yeah. jake yeah those pop tarts are a little stale for
0: now i also have some Denty more beef stew in the cabinet oh well
3: yeah. that changes Because you never
0: know if like if all of a sudden you know there's some sort of post-apocalyptic you know i've got I'm good to go I've got You and the cockroaches are set That's right SpaghettiOs Denti Moore and Pop-Tarts I'm good to go
4: Zach Eady the Big Ten Player of the Year the coaches voted for the first team Uh, obviously Trace Jackson Davis Zach Eady on that the other three you've got Terrence Shannon from Illinois Chris Murray from Iowa and Jalen Pickett from Penn State when I look at this, the only real gripe I had, I thought Matt Painter and Chris Collins should have been co-coaches of the year. I, I think that's fair. I think that there Chris is... Chris Collins is a solo coach of the year, by the way. There's
0: automatically, Kevin, kind of this stigma that comes with sustained success in, in a program name. So, you know, I don't know... Like, how often did Mike Krzyzewski win ACC Coach of the Year?
4: Yeah, like, in the Big 12, does Bill Self just win it an annually because they win the conference every year? Yeah, you know, but... or sure is there there's it a fatigue like, level.
0: Or is there an element of, in the Big 12, you know, some school that is not normally a basketball school, and it's like, oh, man, what, an, what a remarkable job because they went 500, you know? Yeah,
4: I just look at Purdue where they were voted preseason and the fact that they won the Big 10 by three games, which is pretty unheard of. Uh, when you look back on the past decade or so, and honestly you probably could look a lot deeper in the history of the Big Ten Conference, um, I thought that there was some deserving on that front. Um, I didn't have an issue with Zach Eady as the outright Big Ten player of the year. I get that Trey Jackson Davis has very comparable numbers. Um, I get that Indiana won both matchups. I also think Purdue has less of a supporting cast. No player on the second or third team for Purdue. Uh, you did have Jalen Hood-Chefino as the freshman of the year and second-team All-Big Ten. And I do think there's something to be said for you know, the best player on the team that did win the conference by three games. I think that also adds to this? it there.
0: Mike Krzyzewski was never ACC Coach of the Year after the year 2000. I mean, you can't tell me that here are your ACC Coach of the Year winners. Gary Williams, Skip Prosser, Herb Sindex, Seth Greenberg, Roy Williams – Dave Latao, Seth Greenberg, Leonard Hamilton, Gary Williams, Roy Williams, Leonard Hamilton, Jim Laranaga, Tony Bennett, Jim Laranaga, Josh Pasner. Again, Josh Pasner. I mean,
4: I think the award oftentimes is like who was picked to finish really bad and didn't finish really bad.
0: Georgia Tech went 8 and 10 in the ACC in 2017 and Josh Pasner was the ACC coach of the year. I, it, yeah, it's exactly it's the expectation going into it, right? Of where you're expected to be.
4: Which I think can get a little bit difficult. With any sort of awards that you know have a standard in the preseason, and then you're kind of evaluating it off that standard. Um, we just talked with Stephen Holder about this uh, Colts free agents. Jake, you stand on a table for any of them? I don't have
0: very good balance these days. Um, I think Bobby Okereke is really intriguing because, but at the same time, Kevin. He is probably the one, as Steven had mentioned, that has the most market value outside of Indianapolis. So I think there's a, a limit on what you're willing to pay for it.
4: Yeah, I think there's – frankly, I don't think there's really any shot you can bring him back because you've already paid too much money at linebacker that's, for other guys. Yeah.
0: And, and that's the – kind of at no fault of theirs, but that's where they're painted in a corner a little bit because you just don't know how badly you need him because you don't know about Shaquille Leonard, right?
4: I'd probably b- bring back EJ Speed. You know, he's another linebacker that I think would be a little bit more affordable. I think he was arguably your best special team player for you last season, and to me, he can be a little bit of insurance if you want to look at it like that with the unknown on Leonard, and again, much more affordable than what O'Karake rightfully so will garner on the open market. I would say one guy that I'm a little bit more pro bring back than most would be Yanni Kingakwe. I think a lot of people just, oh, uh, wasn't impactful late in games. The question that I would throw out there would be, who else? That's fair. And I think people lose sight of something about Ngakwe that's defined his whole career. Availability. That dude has missed four games in seven years, Jake. Pay's missed seven games in two years.
0: Let me ask you this. EJ Speed, do you think it's possible that EJ Speed... Let's say for the exam for the sake of argument that Shaquille Leonard has another year where his availability is the same as it was this year. Okay. And Bobby O'Karake signs with the Atlanta Falcons.
4: Ooh. Bears. Eberflus. Would could EJ
0: Speed, if he is elevated into the role that Bobby O'Karake had, could EJ Speed give you similar type production?
4: I would be curious about that. You know, I think he's shown me enough that I wouldn't be like this is DefCon. I'm yeah, freaking out. I'm not, I would agree if with I'm that. Gus Bradley, I'm not I'd sleeping the night that. before the game. So that is why I would again now side And with to speed. that point.
0: Yannick Ngakwe, I don't know that you feel like there is the understudy that can that can duplicate the same production, right?
4: There's not. To be fair, I think it's a harder position to find understudies at.
0: Totally. That which to your point is probably why he elevates in terms of the table standing, right? And
4: clearly, Gus Bradley has an affinity for him. They've had multiple stops in the NFL. Um, I think he was a little bit more banged up than even it was let on last year. So, you know, if he can have a little bit of a just a healthier, he was available, but just a healthier um, playing season, I think that would factor in as well. But again, it comes down to a lot of who else. And I don't want to put too much on the plate of Pay and Dio Adangbo, Just yet. And I also don't think those are the same players of Ngakwe. I think Ngakwe is kind of that pure speed guy. I think Pei and Dio are a little bit more of like, you know, nice rushers, but a little more power rushers in that sense. We'll see. Veteran pass rushers, you know, who gets cut and all of that. Um, You know, I, I do think that is a big part of what the next handful of days will be about. But again, I, I would look into bringing Yannick Ngakwe back, I think, more than some others will be. You definitely want to see more consistency from him, particularly late in games. But I think that question of who else needs to be addressed. You know, you need Ngakwe.
0: Isn't that what... <laughs> in my opinion, that sucks. You just stare at the, I mean, come on. Yeah, Ngakwe is a guy that, But again, Kevin... Pri- Ceiling on the price tag, right? For any of them.
3: Isn't that fair? Certainly. Certainly. What position will be the biggest splash the Colts make in free agency?
4: I think you got to go out and got to look at offensive line, the interior of that unit. Again, I would probably cut Ryan Kelly. I think you got to go get a starter there.
0: Um, a better question would be this If Ryan Kelly is cut by the Colts, does he go
4: somewhere else? Yeah, I think he probably would. You know, um, not exactly sure what that market would look like for him. Uh, but yeah, Mark, I, I think interior of your O-line, I think you could use a swing tackle, some insurance behind Bernard Ryman. So you're
3: not going left tackle for like a Taylor Lewan or an Orlando Brown if I, they hit the market?
4: I think you are trusting that Bernard Ryman deserves a shot to be your day one starter. I think he's got to improve in the strength area. You know, he was a tight end initially in college, transitioned to tackle. I thought that was an area where he did get exposed a little bit last year. But you knew when you drafted him, there would be some growth. And I thought he showed enough promise late in the year that he deserves that opportunity. I I would like to see a pass catcher in free agency. And when I use that term, wide out and or tight end, I know it's not a great wide out group, but – I think you need a little bit more support for, in all likelihood, the rookie quarterback. The rookie quarterback,
0: do you believe that for the first contract of whatever quarterback the Colts are about to take, that his number one receiver for the majority of his first contract will be Michael Pittman? Do that again? Insert name of quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Uh I'm just throwing that out. C.J. Stroud becomes the Colts quarterback next season. Over the life of his first contract, do you believe that for the majority of that time, his number one receiver is Michael Pittman?
4: I guess I'll throw in who else. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think Pittman will get extended, and that means he will obviously be here, and I don't see a wideout entering the fold and all of a sudden becoming your number one wideout that early right in his respective career i i don't think alec pierce would get to that level maybe he will become more of a complete route runner i think he still can be a really effective player for you just kind of as a one or two trick pony yeah. uh but
0: pierce is kind of easy to you know you forget he he really did start to show towards the end of the year i thought you know hey this is why they went out and got I, him right?
4: I jake i almost thought he was better a little bit in the earlier middle part, I thought he, well, kind, yeah, of he kind of faded late. Now, honestly, I don't think the quarterback play late helped them out either. Right? Um, he offers you just the big play stuff that was so lacking. I mean, boom! Throw the jump ball to him, and he makes a thirty or forty yard play. The game winner against Jacksonville here at Lucas Oil Stadium. Not a lot of guys can make that sort of play. So, what they do at pass catcher, I think. And honestly, starting next week, you do show your cards a little bit. And if they go out there and they make a lot of splashes in free agency or more than they used to, is that a sign that says, hey, we're probably going to trade up in the draft and we know we can't find support for our quarterback with the trade-up? We're going to do our support in March? Do you show your cards a little bit there? Right. I think that'll be something to monitor next week. All right, uh, Purdue, how much do they need to get to a one seed? Where is IU right now? Are they definitely on that four line? We'll chat about that with Mike DeCorsi coming up here in a few
0: move our clocks again we spring forward right so that means it's is gotta that, be somewhat soon maybe a couple weeks is it this weekend is it i don't know but then does that are we going to be dragging for like a week because all of a sudden you
3: lose that hour and that throws everybody off this is, yeah sunday march 12th
4: i feel like i don't know about you mark but i feel like it's such an issue with the kids yeah getting them back on track from a sleeping standpoint i'm like god
0: i've always wanted to and maybe i'll do it again this year although the morning thing hurts a little bit um just drive around 465 and try to get a speeding ticket and then when they write down that you got the ticket at like 2 a.m you go to court and you go there was no 2 a.m went from 1 to 3
4: boy that sounds like the annoying kid <laughs> we all had in class <laughs> I'm oh, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. yeah well this well, is that why checks out
3: though to be fair jake said it that checks out I think I should
0: have been an attorney.
4: Mike DeCorsi going to so join the, us in a few... The
0: loopholes, I find.
4: Again, what does Purdue need to kind of cement the one seed? And then um, he had the unanimous Sporting News, first-team All-Americans yesterday. Jake, he had Zach Eady as unanimous, but not Trace Jackson Davis. Was that correct? Correct.
0: Correct. Um, but, I mean, both of them, you know, look, a remarkable year for both players. And... I think Edie, and we'll, you know, we'll ask Mike to to clarify, I, I think Edie probably gets the nod because his team won the conference. But great year for both.
4: Okay, we'll look at some bracket talk with Mike DeCourcy and again, Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst. He was here at the Combine, a lot of thoughts on the quarterback class. And again, I want to talk with him a little bit about Hendon Hooker. What is he, or how does he view the Tennessee quarterback who... You know, you could make the case if he doesn't tear that ACL, he might be the Heisman Trophy winner this past year. We'll do all that coming up in the 9 o'clock.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: Nine o'clock hour in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's the nine o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Great question from Chris. Um, Since I always talk about how I don't really feel my stride until the last hour of the show since we spring forward, Uh, next week does that mean i'll really start getting going around 10 is a great question that actually is pretty much what happens to me every day right around 10 i'm Mm -hmm. like well i'm starting to feel it now i'm awake uh joining us now and i'm sure thrilled to be doing
4: so jump ahead wouldn't that be eight right what's that bring forward wouldn't that be eight you're feeling it is that what it is i guess you're right actually skip an hour is that correct now, now I'm all confused.
3: Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at 8 a.m. will be a nice change of pace for Jake. <laughs> that's right. Well, I've got... Mark, you're the one whose hair looks fabulous. Well, that's because I take my ring off and do my hair, which <laughs> apparently you don't. Uh, Mike DiCorsi joins us
0: now, and as I mentioned, I'm sure thrilled to be doing so on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Uh, Mike, just about this time yesterday, the Sporting News released their All-American list, and Zach Eadie, unanimous. Trace Jackson Davis had to be right behind him. I, I think that it's easy for people, Mike understandably so because of the rivalry to debate back and forth which of the two was more deserving but I look at it simply as you know what two of the best players in college basketball are right here within an hour of here and that's pretty darn cool
2: that is pretty cool absolutely uh, it's and and very much uh, were deserving I think that what I, I think there's a couple of things if you want to debate not our list because it's they're all equals I mean they when at the end of the day nobody other than the for the curiosity of the article when they, when they're listed on Wikipedia in five years and not going to be designated as one got more votes. Now, uh, I think that, uh, that what you'll find out in re- in regards to the big 10 player of the year award, the national player of the year award, which we just released, uh, within three minutes ago, uh, Zach Eady is the sporting news national college basketball player of the year. Uh, and and that was I, the difference between he and Trace is simply that he's been great all year, and Trace was not, and that's that's reality. Uh, I don't think anybody was sitting there on January first talking about how wonderful Trace had been, and I, I, I and I understand that it was largely, if not almost, if not exclusively, because of his back. But once he got rid of that problem, he was so brilliant in January and February and early March that he came from off the grid, so to speak, to be a first-team All-American. Do you realize how good you have to be in those two months to go from, oh, he's pretty good, to, oh, he's one of the five best players out of 4,500 players or so? That's how unbelievable January, February, and early March were for Trey. So I think that's the difference between the two. Why one is Big Ten Player of the Year, Sporting News National Player of the Year, and a unanimous All-American, and one is one of the five best players in college basketball, which is, as I said, think about the numbers. There are around 4,000, 4,500, 4, somewhere in there, and you're one of the five best out of that? That's that's crazy.
4: Mike DeCourcy's with us again from Big Ten Network Sporting News. Let's stick with Purdue here for just a second, Mike. The concerns are very valid. I mean, they've had some turnover issues here over the past month or so. um, Something that showed up, honestly, last season. And frankly, they just aren't hitting enough open shots. But at the same time, I would think a glass-half-full look at Purdue in the tournament would be it's really, really hard to simulate Zach Eady for teams that aren't used to playing against him or aren't used to scouting him. You know, Replicating that in practice, particularly if you have a quick turnaround in the second of the two games on an NCAA tournament weekend, I think would be pretty challenging for a team. How much do you think that will aid Purdue as they try to make a run?
2: Well, I, I think that it can help, but when you look at that, you look at him on film and you say, how do we deal with that? Well, what's worked? Okay, so throw everybody you got at them. Everybody. It, from every angle, multiple pl- multiple players at a time, don't double, triple, and, and make the other guys make you pay. And that's worked. That's the problem. It, it worked for Maryland. It worked for IU. Make the other guys make you pay. And when is someone going to step forward and make them pay? Uh, and, and, you know, make the, uh, the opposition who decides that that controlling Zach is the entire deal pay for that by hitting threes, by moving the ball quickly and getting open shots, uh, driving it to 12 feet, pulling up all of that stuff is available when teams go, uh, quote overboard on defending Zach, but none of it for the most part has been punished by the, the, the rest of the boilers. And until it is, that the the boilers are going to be in peril against any quality team they play, and I, I think it's they're capable of doing it, but they haven't done it. And it, I, I worry less about the turnovers against pressure. I think they I think they can manage that, but they need to put teams in a position where they want to pressure and have to pressure by making those open shots that develop by the excess attention to uh, Zach.
0: It really is remarkable, Mike back to kind of your original point about Zach Eady and the fact that his consistency over the course of the season never wavered despite the fact that teams started kind of trying to do different ways to guard him you know sometimes you saw double you know and the backcourt play while I think the world of Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer and what they were able to do as young players this year it was not as consistent to your point and so would you agree that Zach Eadie probably did see multiple looks or variations of the way that he was guarded over the course of the year, yet none of it worked against him, essentially?
2: Oh, I, absolutely. I, you go back to the second, I think it was the second Indiana game, uh, that, that they, the one they lost at home, and Indiana threw everything at him. And it, and it, and it worked. That's why. That's why Indiana won. It worked to beat Purdue. But it didn't work to stop Zach. I think he had 26 and 18 in that game. Yeah, And people walked away like, oh, well, you know, uh, he wasn't that great. And then you look at the numbers, it's like, oh, my goodness. We're at the point now where 26 and 18 isn't a big deal. That's how good he's been and how hard he's been to stop. Uh, Michigan State played him single up uh, in, in East Lansing. And I think they gave up 35 or something like that. Then they decided to double him. Uh, in West Lafayette, and I think he scored 33. It, 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 he, he has not allowed you any comfort. And if if the rest of the players, and I, when you said before that they weren't consistent, I think they've been reasonably consistent as players, but no one has been at all consistent as a shooter. Uh, Fletcher has really struggled with that. He's had he's not had a great night in a while. He's not had many good nights in the last six weeks or so. Uh, Braden doesn't get as many looks because now they're that. That's one of the things. It's easier to close out on him because he's not big, um, and so they make sure that they do. And and they and they're not concerned at all right now about Fletcher taking shots. They they don't worry about Ethan Morton taking shots, and because they know that he's a teeny bit reluctant to do it, and they count on that a little bit. And they're going to pay once in a while because Ethan's making shots from now, but he's never going to make five because he's never going to take enough to make five. Until that happens, then that this tactic is the way to go. And we'll see whether or not it, it eventually happens. I think the move to Brandon Newman, for that reason, was it was a really smart move by Matt. And you saw what it did early against Illinois, especially. It, it helped fuel that 20-some point lead. They They eventually, you know, it started to become wise to not shoot threes because you're up. 25 or whatever and so they didn't do it as much they got a little reluctant and Illinois made their run and they wound up in a game again I think they've got to be more they, they've got to be patient but they still have to be aggressive if you're up 24 go ahead and take 20 seconds off the shot clock but if it's a three-point shot that they're giving you you still have to take it with the same eagerness
0: Mike DeCorsi is our guest he is with Sporting News he's on the Payless Lakers hotline Mike Back to the sporting news awards that have been named within the last 24 hours, this one within the last 20 minutes or so. Rodney Terry of Texas is the men's college basketball coach of the year. Of course, he did not begin the season as the expected head coach at Texas. We know about what happened with Chris Beard being relieved of his duties. How much of the situation that Rodney Terry walked into influenced that award to him versus the actual season in other words i don't follow intimately texas basketball were they expected to have a 23 and 8 type year or was it not only the situation that he walked into but also maximizing his roster towards the award
2: yeah i think it i think it comes from the fact that he walked into a team that had great capabilities and then was it, it was put in this circumstance, which is a pretty rare circumstance, obviously, and let's hope it you know let let's hope it never happens again anywhere uh, but this circumstance was really hard to manage because it was it, it was an overnight thing it wasn't one of those deals where uh, a coach does something uh out of the boundaries of the NCAA rulebook say and so you're everybody's sort of looking around and everybody kind of knows something's gonna happen soon uh but this wasn't like that this was. Arrested on, a, uh, on, a, on the, in the morning, uh, suspended as soon as UT finds out about it and, and, and learns the details. And oh, by the way, you got to play that night, and that's, that was very difficult. And then playing in the most difficult conference in college basketball history—not the best. Uh, this is not, you know, James Worthy and Michael Jordan and Ralph Sampson and, uh, and Derek Wittenberg in the ACC in '83 or anything like that we don't have that anymore because of players going through college quickly but this but there there has never been a league that didn't have a bad team in in college basketball history and this one did not have any and so you had to be good every night to not lose and texas of course wasn't good every night uh, no one in that league was or they or someone had been undefeated but they were good often enough to finish a strong second they were one bad result, uh, maybe the, maybe the loss at Texas Tech away from tying for the championship. They're on p- pace to get a number two seed, which would be one of their best seeds, probably their best seed, I think since 2006, uh, that they, that if they, if they hold that. So it's quite a season under really difficult circumstances for the players to, to deal with and for the coaches to keep the players attention and, and, and respect.
0: And this is going to kind of put you on the spot, Mike. I apologize. But is he – I'm trying to think of other guys. I think it was – is it Brian LrB Was that his name that was at Michigan for a while there? Or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of is he the first coach in an interim-type situation? And I'm looking at the list here of the Sporting News National Coach of the Year winners – Is he the first under that type of situation to walk into an uncertainty in terms of his long term future and get that award?
2: You know, actually, as I was looking at it, uh, Jim Cruz of St. Louis, I think it was 2012, 13. Yeah, 2013, yep. Yeah, what happened that year was Rick Majeris was coaching. He was the active coach. And then early fall, he became very ill. And very soon after that passed away. And so Jim took over that year and led them, I think, to around 26 wins, something like that. And so, I mean, obviously a devastating situation for for the players to lose to lose their coach, to, to have him pass away. And, and Jim did a great job. You know, obviously people in Indiana know who Jim is, coached at Evansville, played for IU, and he did a wonderful job that year. And it and it, it took them to a very successful season in the Atlantic Ten.
4: Mike DeCoursey's with us here, of course, Big Ten Network sporting news. Getting back to the local scene here, Mike. If you examine Purdue and what they need to do here the rest of this week to get a number one seed, what do you think they need? Do they need two? Do they need all three Big Ten wins in winning a Big Ten title? And kind of off that, how much does Sunday, from a contingency standpoint, matter? when the NCAA tournament committee puts a bracket together and you've got that Big Ten championship game butting right up to Selection Sunday?
2: Yeah, it basically doesn't matter other than you win the championship or lose the championship. uh, Unless you are, let's say Michigan, which begins the week with the ability to win this tournament and probably the necessity. Uh, So I, I think that for them it matters. And the committee would have to be uh, ready to either put Michigan in or not. If indeed they wouldn't consider Michigan a, a a at-large team by getting to Sunday, and we can't say for sure they wouldn't, but if they if they were in the position still believing that Michigan was not an at-large team, then they would need to win that game, and then at that point the committee would have to have an alternate bracket ready. Uh, if, if indeed they, they they determined among themselves that that Michigan would be an at-large team. Regardless, and then they might have to make some alterations to who would be in the first four or something like that. It's not as complicated as completely redoing the bracket. So that's that's what they're looking at relative to Purdue. I, what what re, honestly, what Purdue needs more than their own victories, and I think they would need to at least play to Saturday, play through Saturday to be a one seed. But what they need even more is for UCLA to lose. Mm-hmm. And the for, for, from the boiler standpoint, the sooner the better whether that would be Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Thursday's best, Friday's better, uh, you know Sunday Saturday would help, but then would still leave that up to, you know, uh, up in some doubt. So I, I think that to me, the resume that Purdue has now is still better. You will look on my bracket and you'll see UCLA there. Why are they there? If you think Purdue's resume is better? The simple answer is, Part of, part of my job, really most of the job of what I do for Fox is trying to think like the committee thinks. And it's not always easy. It's hard to, to, to know for sure because the committee made, made members change from year to year. But the one thing that I, that I settled on was they're going to want a number one seed to come in flying. That's what they want. They want them to look really good coming in. And that hasn't been Purdue over the last two, three weeks. It has been UCLA. Has UCLA been aided by the fact that very few of the teams that they're playing are going to be playing in March? Absolutely. But when they were faced with two teams that had the opportunity, uh, one for certain in Arizona, that's going to be a two or three seed, and one that's trying to fight their way in, and obviously desperate as a result in Arizona State, and they blew them both off the floor. So I think that really changed my view of what the committee would think.
4: Boy, I'm looking at uh, what you've got for Indiana mapped out right now in your latest on Fox Sports. I might faint at some of these storylines that, that would be here for Indiana. How about this? Indiana the four, Rick Pitino's the 13 in the first round. Kentucky would sit there as the five, a potential second round, and Kelvin Sampson in the Sweet 16. Oh boy. Mike, you literally checked all the the entire bingo card is filled <laughs> with that right there.
2: And, you know, and this is, this you know, people think that they sit there and do that, like I got to do this every day and I've got two other jobs. so I'm not sitting there thinking, gee, wouldn't it be cool? I don't have the time. Believe me. I barely have time to eat. I would love it it, though. I mean, I'm just saying that like people who think that they they really sit there in, in uh, the committee room and try to make those matchups up at the, at the end of the day, there's, there's uh, a lot of crossover between teams and history and all that. And, It's It's going to happen naturally. I I promise you at no point did I ever think, oh, that would be really good to put Iona in with uh, with with Indiana because people would get excited about that or or all that matters to me is can Indiana and Kentucky play because they haven't played before? They're not in the same league. And I just need to do that so I can move on and get the next line done. Believe me.
4: Uh, assuming Sunday for the Big Ten championship, like you said, doesn't matter that much from a seeding standpoint. Is the three line the highest Indiana can get if the seeds hold and they beat Maryland and beat Northwestern to get to the Big Ten title?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think the two line is pretty far out of reach for them with the way they closed, and not not because of how they closed, but because of where that left their resume. Uh, I I think, and even three, when I look at that K-State, Marquette, UConn, Gonzaga. Gonzaga lock three now because they blew out St. Mary's last night. So the other three positions, uh, the one advantage IU might have is that UConn and Marquette are playing in the same conference, and therefore one is only one of them can survive if one of them survives through Saturday night. Uh, So that's an advantage. But if Let's just say Xavier came in and took over those two teams and beat them both. I mean they could take the three instead of IU. So I think that the most likely scenario is IU finishing as a fourth, but in order to get that, uh, they need to they need to take care of their business this week in in Chicago.
0: Now Mike now that we have got, you know, the mid-majors and the conference tournaments, last night we saw Gonzaga all over St. Mary's, but St. Mary's is in. Uh, were there any, quote-unquote, bid-stealers? If you were a team that's on the bubble, what conference tournaments, if any, because I didn't do like a once-over on all of them, were there any that were bad news for you because a team that otherwise would not have gotten into the tournament won their conference tournament, thus carrying somebody else in?
2: To date, No. Uh, I think the one that's out there that's, that all the bubble teams will be monitoring is Florida Atlantic in the Conference USA tournament. Everybody's going to be pulling for them. That's a bubble team if they go through and take Conference USA. Because uh, that, that's the one team that probably gets an at-large. College of Charleston, I would have been disappointed had they lost last night and not gotten in because they had 30-plus wins. Uh, I, don't th- I don't think the committee values that enough. Uh, they, they look at it, well, it's not a great league, and what are the numbers? And, I, and my response to that is, do you know how many 30-win teams go out, you know, don't make your tournament? Not many. And you know what happens when you get a 30-win team in your tournament? Surprisingly, they win more games. If you win 30 and lose three or lose or lose four in this circumstance, if they had not gotten the automatic bid, they're really good. And they're likely to win because they know how to win. And so I would have been disappointed. But I, so I was I was pulling for Charleston last night to get that bid because I, I didn't want that to see that happen to them. Uh, Florida Atlantic is another team like that. Uh, the other concern might be the uh, Mountain West Conference. I, I, I think that Nevada uh, and, and, to a greater extent, Utah State are not NCAA tournament teams. I am fairly rare among that. I may eventually have to change my mind depending on what they do in their tournaments this week, but we, we can't let the, we can't let the analytics dictate this. If you, if people who were arguing with me on Twitter yesterday about Utah state are like, well, yeah, but they're 22 in the net and like 22 in Ken Palm or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, who they beat? Who did they beat at all? Anybody? Come on, give me one team. And they played the, the top three teams in their league. They played them all twice. It's a double round Robin league. They went two and four against the other top teams in their league. They lost 66% of their toughest games. Come on, that's not a tournament team. Why? Because some computer spits out a formula that says they're 22nd in the country? Sometimes there are outliers in every analytic. And in this case, they're an outlier in most of the analytics. They are not a tournament team as we sit here today. If they go out and win the Mountain West tournament, good for them. It'll probably cost the bubble team a, 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 a spot. Uh, but they, they, they just don't belong. And I, I am baffled by the willingness of some basketball fans to turn the entire thing over to a computer formula that they don't even know what goes into it. They don't know what the numbers are. They have a general idea, but they don't know. And so they're going to just say, well, we trust you. We trust your, we trust your, your, your calculations to tell us everything. Come on. If, if, the, tr- if, the, if the calculations were always right, you, the three of us could go uh, to Vegas and sit in the sports book and bet the analytics and never lose or almost never lose or always win at least, you know, and always have a winning day, and we'd never have to work again. But it doesn't work like that.
4: A man with many jobs. I'd love to never have to work. A man working a whole lot, especially this time of year. <laughs> he is Mike DeCorsi. Mike, great stuff. Thanks for hopping on during what is a very busy week for you. Thanks, fellas. Mike DiCorsi right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. How about that? Patino, Calipari, Sampson. you imagine? <laughs> For IU fans, that would be the three-round run to get to the Elite Eight. Boy, that can you imagine the thrill if they ran through all that, though? He brought up the bid Steelers, Jake Oral Roberts at 30-4. 18-0 in their conference. They've lost one game since Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, and they're senior laden, I think.
4: Well, the leading scorer is the kid that got them on the run two years ago, the Sweet 16. Remember yeah. when they beat Ohio State during yep. the COVID tournament? ace um, the little guard, he is still there. They did lose to Houston, by the way, by 38. 38? For what it's worth. Okay. By the way, 45.
0: Mark says we have to do a very abbreviated morning checkdown. Watch this. The morning checkdown. Omaha! Omaha!
1: Omaha! Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: Tonight in college basketball, actually this afternoon, Butler taking on St. John's. That is at the first round in New York City of the Big East Tournament. That game gets underway at 3 o'clock. Notre Dame will have plenty of time to watch that because they do not have another game to prepare for after losing last night 67-64 to Virginia Tech. And in doing that, not only did it end Mike Bray's run in South Bend, it also meant that the Fighting Irish did not get a chance to watch Steph Curry score 40 last night in the NBA. He was the leading scorer on the night, but it was not enough as Golden State was defeated by Oklahoma City. 137, 128, Washington, Charlotte, Orlando, Philadelphia, Brooklyn. The Mavericks and the Lakers all joined. The uh, or all were winners last night in the
4: association. Anything else, Kevin? National draft voice. He is Matt Miller from ESPN. Brilliant, by the way, on that. Thank uh, you. Very, very nice. Much. Pacers tomorrow, back in action. Practice today, and again tonight on our airwaves. Ohio State, Wisconsin, six fifteen. Minnesota, Nebraska at nine. As the Big Ten tournament gets underway. But Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst. He was at the combine all week long. We'll talk to him next here.
5: It-
4: ESPN draft analyst Matt Miller going to join us here in a couple of minutes. We'll, we'll push the pop quiz to close out today's show. I believe I see Scotty rolling his eyes over there. Scotty decked out in Colts gear. I believe Matt Miller, a fan of Anthony Richardson to the Colts. We'll chat about that with him. And again, I am curious a little bit about Hendon Hooker. I feel like he's a forgotten man. A couple knocks on age and ACL. So we'll uh, touch on that with Matt Miller here coming up in just a second.
0: It is interesting that you, it, you wonder where, I, I guess a better question, Kevin, Thanks, would be where would Hinden Hooker be had he not gotten hurt? You know how much is how much of that is detriment of, of age, and how much of it is health?
4: Matt Miller joins us now again, the great draft analyst at ESPN. Um, just spent a week in Indianapolis. We'll chat all about that with him right now. And, and let's do start there, Matt. I know it's not the quarterback on the top of everyone's everyone's mind. We'll get to that one, but Hendon Hooker to me is such an interesting case study in the age, the ACL, the offense he came from in college. How do you how do you view Hendon Hooker within this quarterback draft class?
1: Yeah, guys, he would be a first round pick were it not for the ACL injury. Like, even understanding that he just turned 25 years old, I think he. I mean, gosh, the way he's played over the last two years, I don't think his has received as much attention as it should have. I mean, we got kind of got caught up in that. You know, the first year was all right. this Is the real deal? You know, after he transferred in from Virginia Tech, I, I think to some degree the scheme has had people discount what he was able to do but i mean no matter how good your scheme is he threw five interceptions and 58 touchdowns the last two years like i don't care how good your scheme is i don't even know if i care how good your level of competition is when your touchdown interceptions 58 to 5 i mean that's crazy and then obviously you know he brings an element to the ground game as well he's a big quarterback he's smart he's He's had, you know, he had success at Virginia Tech and didn't turn the ball over there either. I think that's something that people have to go back and look at, too. So he would be in that first-round group for me. Probably not up there with the, you know, the big four that are going to go super early just because he is older. That would be the only thing that would knock him down. But, man, if we were, if you took away the knee injury, 18 to the Detroit Lions, 19 to Tampa, 20 to Seattle, I feel like he would probably be in that range right there. 29 to the Saints would probably be his floor.
0: Matt, I'm going to ask a question that I've asked to a couple of people this week, but I I value your input on this. Are we looking at an NFL draft this year with four names at the quarterback position that are up there towards the top because A, they are four dynamic talents that are worthy of being towards the top in any given year, or B, because it's a year where there are a plethora of teams needing quarterback and a void elsewhere around and so by default they have become the cream of the crop
1: i think it's a little of both that's a really good question i I like the way you set that up i I do think to some degree it is like bryce young and cj stroud are good they've been good for two years We, we know who they are right we've been watching them a long time we know who they are i think those are the two where they would be up there in any given draft class they both would have been the number one quarterback last year i think if you go back and are able to Somehow put them in the 2021 draft. They're not Trevor Lawrence, but they're probably ahead of Zach Wilson. For me, they would have been. You know, they're they're ahead of Trey Lance. Certainly, they're ahead of Mac Jones. I actually really liked Justin Fields. I don't know that I would be able to jump them over Justin Fields, but um, I, I think they're good. Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are are very interesting prospects, and they're players that I do believe are worthy of investing a pick and time and development in, but those are the guys where I worry are we are we focusing on the positives and ignoring the negatives which you know like that is a huge part of player evaluation is what can they do versus what can't they do but if 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 we see four quarterbacks on the top five to me that will be artificial inflation of, of a player's stock because of the position he plays
4: okay. I, just you, a couple of years ago one two three those those three quarterbacks went
1: And it hasn't worked out very well. No, 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 no. Certainly not the guy going number
4: two in Zach Wilson. Right.
1: Matt,
0: you touched on something here on Twitter that I want you to elaborate on for our listeners. Again, Matt Miller is our guest on the Payless Suckers Hotline at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. Uh, I also think, this is what you tweeted, the strong showing at the combine by the four quarterback weakens the value of the number one overall pick. Houston and Indianapolis probably not feeling as much pressure this week as they were... To jump up the board, um, and, and and I don't disagree with that. I think Chris Ballard looks at it and, and probably covets what he would maybe have to give up to move up. They may still do that. We'll see. But do you believe that Indianapolis is less aggressive at four? And if they have to select the fourth quarterback off the board or third, you believe it would be which one? Uh,
1: I think so. I don't think Indy has to be as aggressive. I'll say that. I don't think there's the pressure to get to number one today like there was a week ago i really don't i, I just it, why you like what who are you jumping so like let's say that let's say you love bryce young you believe he's the guy is he that much better than cj stroud to where you feel like you have to give up future first round picks to me the difference between bryce young and cj stroud is not future first round picks especially on a roster that, that needs a left tackle that needs another wide receiver that needs a pass rusher like there are the colts are not one quarterback away so to me it's not worth the future picks right so if they stay at four so much hinges on what happens at one but if you stay at four you have i think you have a realistic shot at will levis and anthony richardson now for indy i think will levis is more intriguing because he could play right away and i think you have an owner that is very impatient and wants to win right now so i don't think you're in a spot where you can say All right, let's bring in Jacoby Brissett and draft Anthony Richardson, and we've got now uh, you know a five-year plan. I I think it's more, hey, we got to win, we got to win quickly. So if if you're staying at four, assuming somebody trades to one for Bryce Young, assuming that the Texans would take CJ Stroud at two, you're looking at Will Levis at four.
4: Okay, Matt Miller is with us, ESPN draft analyst at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. Um, Matt, feel free to you know whatever rip this, but when you look at the three quarterbacks, and let's put Levis to the side just for the exercise, if you're going to go play a game tomorrow, would Bryce Young make the most sense? If you were going to bet on the safest pick for the next decade, would C.J. Stroud make the most sense? And then lastly, if you're betting on the most potential, is that Anthony Richardson? It's kind of boiling down to those three guys. Is that how you view those three? Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson?
1: Yeah, uh, Yeah, absolutely. I think Bryce Young is I love Bryce Young, and I, I like. I don't ever want to sound like I'm discounting him. He's my top quarterback. He's my number two overall player. Like I love Bryce Young, but he, he is small, you know. And how long can he hold up? I, I think for more Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, the situation matters more. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be just fine wherever he lands because he's you know he's big. He's got a. A good, not great arm, but it's it's good. He's got great accuracy. He has a really good understanding of, you know, just how to throw a catchable football and get the most out of his weapons. But I do think you put them in the right silos of. If I needed to go out and win tomorrow, I would I would take Bryce Young. He carried a bad Alabama team this year. I think people overlooked that. Of they just hear Alabama, and think, oh my god, he was loaded. There, there's not another Alabama player other than Jameer Gibbs, a running back, who will be selected in the top. 100 picks on offense like it was just not a good offense this year And he really carried them they would have been like six and six without him probably i mean so i don't want to discount bryce young just because he came in at 510 and just because we know he's going to struggle to to play around 200 pounds he's he's really really good but to me the difference between he and cj stroud is not that big
0: matt this year's draft in terms of overall talent is richest at what position
1: Oh, wow. Corner, probably. Uh, I think cornerback is really, really deep. We're going to see a lot of five, maybe, corners in the first round. Tight end is crazy deep, too. We might not see the run on those guys early, but I think there are like six or seven starting caliber tight ends in this class. Uh, Those would be the two where I feel really good about it. Offensive tackles, pretty good, not great. Quarterback is, I like five of them. After that, there's a pretty big drop-off. But if I, you know, if I would say there's a, what's the strength? I would say corner, tight end, and defensive end are your big groups in this draft that are, that are super talented. Not just at the top, but really all the way through.
0: When you say five at quarterback, by the way, we're talking about the four that, everybody, you know, Levis, Richardson, Young, and Stroud, and then I'm assuming Hooker's the fifth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yep.
0: The The position that is the driest this year, the position that you do not want to have on your roster a need for going into this draft is what?
1: Defensive tackle. Uh, Jalen Carter is a top five talent. We're going to see what happens with his you know, off-field situation. It's going to definitely raise a lot of questions, and, and I don't have those answers yet. We have about 50 days to figure those out. Um, but I, I think after that, You get into Kalijah Cansey from Pitt, who is undersized. You know, at six foot one, two hundred eighty pounds. You get into Brian Brice from uh, Clemson, who you know last two years have really been a wash for him because of you know a torn ACL. His sister passed away, and then he had a kidney infection that's just really made you know his off-field situation almost you know impossible the last few years. So after after Jalen Carter, there is a pretty big drop off.
4: Again, it's Matt Miller from ESPN. You've heard him on with us before. Outstanding draft coverage at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. Matt, I want to ask you about a couple of local guys. Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame product, You know, probably didn't light the combine on fire, but just strikes me as just a damn good football player. And then not sure how much you've dove into Aiden Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. Not the most fleet of foot, but certainly um, had some nice success in his collegiate days at Purdue. Uh, Any thoughts on Mayer and or Aiden O'Connell?
1: Mayer's still my top tight end. Like you said, no, the combine wasn't great. No one should have expected it to be great. That's not his game, right? I mean he's he's a two hundred fifty pound inline tight end. He's not gonna blow up the combine. But I'll say this, he didn't drop a single ball in his workout and looked great in you know, run blocking drills. Like that's who he is. If you want a fast tight end, draft Dalton Kincaid. If you want somebody that you never know when he's on the field what he's going to be. Like, you don't – like there are some tight ends, you put them out there, and it's like, oh, okay, they're throwing the ball because he's on the field. You know, like a Mike Gusecki. Michael Mayer is the type of dude, you could put him out there and the defense has no idea what you're doing because he's so versatile. So, I, I'm still a big fan of his. I still think he should be a first-round pick. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, you're right. He's not going to blow you away with his arm strength. He's not going to blow you away with his foot speed. But he's incredibly accurate. I mean, I, I love his story, you know, to go from a walk-on to becoming so prolific as a pastor in college and, and, you know, to really add a program that I I think it's fair to say was struggling when he got there. He's played really well. Uh, he and Charlie Jones, one of my favorite duos this past year, what they were able to do. So I think Aiden has a shot to be a top hundred draft pick. He's got a shot to work his way into, you know, would it, would it shock me if in two years he's a starter? Absolutely not. Because he's just so accurate. He's so smart. He plays with such great touch. There's always going to be a need for a player like that when you know when maybe some of the athletic guys that we're hoping develop don't. I, I, we see teams fall back to the Aiden O'Connell's all the time. Matt, we'll
4: end with this. Um, Jake, my co-host and myself, we are obsessed with the city of Indianapolis. Uh, we think every event, frankly, should be held here uh, for the rest of time. So you're coming on Indianapolis radio, and now I'm like, please talk nice about our city. Luckily, you did that <laughs> yourself on Twitter just a few days ago. Why do you feel like there's just this overwhelming consensus on an annual basis, whether it's GMs, coaches, or media members, that they just laud Indianapolis for their ability to host the Combine?
1: Well, I mean, India is a convention town. You know, I mean, you guys have the amazing, you know, ICC, which is – phenomenal. It's huge. Uh, I've been lost in there multiple times, but I also think what, what the NFL needs to remember, and I hope they ask some of us who actually do this for a living is Indianapolis is the only city in America, maybe outside of New York, in my opinion, at least, that you can you can walk everywhere. It is a truly walkable city, and you have the hotels for the for meetings and dinners, and you have you know the hotels and, and the restaurants, and everything is like where you need it right there. But also, I don't want to go to L.A. and spend my week in a car. Like I I I really don't. I've been to L.A. for events before, and I spend like three hours a day in a car. Who has time for that with all the stuff we have to do at the combine? Do you want players? you know, sitting in a car. I, I mean maybe they can have them stay right at SoFi, but they're not gonna put the eight thousand media members that, that are now at the Combine there as well. So to me Indy is perfect for the Combine. You know it it's it's why you guys do such a great job with, you know, Big Ten championships as well is you can put a lot of people in a very small area and you never feel cramped. And also Like those of us who work in and around the NFL, we are creatures of habit. I go to the same restaurants the same nights every year in Indianapolis. And I'm great with that. I like that. I don't have to think like, oh, man, I don't know my way around here. What are we going to do for dinner tonight? Where can I go to bump into the scouts and agents so that I can do my job? We would have to completely start over. So not only is Indy great at hosting the combine, but for selfish reasons, I'm I know my way around Indy and I really, really, really don't want to have to learn another place.
4: <laughs> Hell yeah. Sandy ovation. Matt Miller is getting right now from LA, ourselves nice, and right. certainly our listening audience. Favorite non-St. Elmo restaurant, Matt?
1: Prime. Prime is actually like my my night two in Indy every year. I go to Prime. It's, I love it. Uh, Elmo's is, you know, you got to go, right? You got to get the shrimp cocktail. You got to do it. I think Prime does... Like they do a great job, start to finish. It's it's fantastic. You can't go wrong, though. Um, you really can't. I think this year I did. I did. I don't know. I don't want to give out free advertising on your show. I did a <laughs> lot of the steak places. None of them disappointed. I'll tell you that.
4: I love it, Matt. Thanks, man. Great stuff. I know it's been a busy uh, decompressing from the combine a little bit. So appreciate you making time for us.
1: Absolutely guys, thank you.
4: Matt Miller ESPN right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Pop quiz time. 317-239-1070. We'll go rapid fire on the pop quiz to close it out. Give us a call.
5: Can you help? Ha- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: Handle the pressure. Sharpen your pencils.
1: It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985.
0: Kevin is super excited because there's a Notre Dame basketball question.
4: Let's go, (laughs) Scotty. After the most brutal pop quiz in the history of the pop quiz yesterday, I think today's doable. Very.
0: Yeah, Scotty yesterday was...
4: In a foul mood, I would say, for that pop quiz. The new favorite to pick number one in the NFL draft, according to Vegas? Carolina. Plus one seventy, excuse me, one twenty-five. That's almost even money. Carolina Panthers. Really, boy, what are they giving up? You got to be throwing
3: in a, a couple players then. At that point, A yeah, haul to go well Ryan behind. Burns. Maybe but they would have end? some.
4: They probably DJ got some Maas.
3: assets in the Christian McCaffrey trade. And they
0: right? have an
4: additional second, but it's not like they got multiple first. Right. Colts plus 275, Texans plus plus new 290, a big drop to the Bears, the current number one, at plus 600, and Nobody the Raiders. Nobody talks about
0: Arizona. Is Arizona going to stick where they are?
4: I think, if anything, they move back. You know, obviously, they've been pretty public about sticking with Kyler Murray, right. so I think, if anything, move back. All right, uh, Mark, uh, bring somebody on for the pop quiz. Okay, we'll go fast fingers, which is Joe. Joe, what's up? Hey, good morning. Joe, how you doing? good how are you doing good joe you ever called for the pop quiz no never Uh, i think this is one of the easiest in the history of the pop quiz joe you you sound like a nice fellow
6: joe Uh,
0: how old a fellow are you i'm 44 years old 44 year old joe okay and that would mean uh my quick math is going to tell me that you must have graduated from high school somewhere around uh i don't know what like 97 somewhere in there
2: 97
0: you got it um and then joe that would
4: be what high school uh south adams high school okay perfect we've got a notre dame question to lead us off joe this Who's great
0: who is the most famous graduate of south adams high school
2: oh man uh <laughs> i have no idea that's a good question we've had some athletes uh you know play D
4: 3 and naia and stuff like that that's and, and joe question. yeah joe graduate <laughs> that's from right there. uh joe all right uh let's lead off uh, jake you want to start off the pop quiz Oh, you got to go
0: with the Notre
4: Dame question there, oh, right? I'm trying to be humble there, but thank you for passing that back to me. Mike Bray, coach's final game for Notre Dame last night, Joe. Who did Bray succeed as head coach of the Fighting Irish? Oh, I thought I was going to get a multiple choice. Boy, I was hoping the South Bend Adams and you you would know this, but um, well, it's Bobby no, no, no. shows he's, you he's this from
0: South, from South Adams. South Adams which is oh, a, I thought he'd been South Bend Adams. That's in Adams. Burn, Indiana, got correct? Got it, got it,
4: got it. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, apologies there. Uh, was it A. Matt Doherty, B. John McLeod, C. Johnny D. or D. Digger Phelps? I'm
3: gonna go with A. How many people have their fingers on the pulse of Notre Dame basketball like Kevin Bowen, so I'd pump the brakes there.
0: Uh, Joe, Here's for question South number Bend, two, Native, that'd be an easy answer. Within ten, can you tell me the enrollment of South Adams High School according to Wikipedia, which is all-knowing? Uh, four hundred. That's 347. Uh, All right, so I'll give you the real question number two. Which of the following NFL players was not designated his team's franchise player this offseason? Evan Ingram, Josh Jacobs, Daniel Jones, or Tony Pollard? Daniel Jones.
4: Nice. All right, number three, Joe. The Ravens placed a non-exclusive franchise tag on quarterback Lamar Jackson, meaning he can negotiate with other teams, with the Ravens maintaining the right to match any offer. It's the sixth time a quarterback has received the non-exclusive tag. Who was the last QB to receive a non-exclusive tag and stay with his current team? A. Drew Brees B. Kirk Cousins C. Jim Harbaugh or D. Matt Castle
1: hmm. i go with
0: B Question number four On this day in 1971 Muhammad Ali suffered his first loss of, as a professional boxer What smoking boxer was the first to defeat him as a pro? Was it Ken Norton, Jerry Quarry, Leon Spinks or Joe Frazier? Joe Frazier
4: Boy, that's a big hint after going three for three to begin it. All right, Joe, one year ago today, this player agreed to a new contract which made him the highest paid player in the NFL for the 2022 season. Can you name him?
1: Can I have a question one more time?
4: Yeah, one year ago today, this player agreed to a new contract which made made him the highest paid player in the NFL for the 2022 season. Can you name him? Mm. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or Kyler Murray? Uh,
1: Deshaun Watson.
0: South Adams is the Starfires, is that right? Yes. What What is a starfire? Is that just a, a star <laughs> that's illuminated with fire?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a it's a great question. Um, it's just sort of a uh, a shooting star. It's kind of
0: it's kind of a cool name, actually. You it's know what I mean? Great three point team.
4: Shooting team. Can't say I've ever it's been to Burn, Indiana. Been
1: where to is,
0: Where is Burn? That's south in Adams County, right? Yeah, south of Fort Wayne, about an hour. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you did Great pretty work, well, Joe. Joe, you did uh, a nice job. You went four for four to start things out, meaning that you had Matt Doherty, you had Daniel Jones, you had Kirk Cousins, and you had Smoke and Joe Frazier. Kick some ass.
4: <laughs> Number five, a little tricky, Scotty little tricky one year ago today this player agreed to a new contract which made him the highest paid player in the nfl nfl for the 2022 season remember they had deshaun watson's cap hit like, for three 2022 weeks ago, he was the highest player in the nfl right for 2022 they had his cap hit very low due to the suspension aaron Rodgers, 50.3
0: million you blew it joe good work awesome. if you don't get to come back tomorrow you don't even get a lousy copy of our home game you're a complete loser
4: (laughs) south adams is located in one of the more like remote locations of the state think so you think about it like an hour south of fort wayne and i guess what a couple you go between like marion and fort wayne you're just kind of in it's like a triangle of like fort wayne marion and muncie
6: Back at it tomorrow. Back at it tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Podcast will be up shortly.